Podcasting, have me podcasting. Anyway, <laughs> all right. I had another day off, so uh, then we're going to do another podcast. <laughs> Here it is. Um, I think like a week later. Ah, delicious cold beverage for my goozle. I'm ready to get down. I'm ready to get down and podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I should be dusting. I should be cleaning. I should be wrapping presents. But instead, I'm going to give you a little present that I'm sure you'll never forget. The professionality, baby, that I'm bringing to this podcast is getting low and lower, daddy, but it's getting put out. That's all I got to say about that. Um, Again, as I was... um, what do you call it? Um, preparing for the podcast. You know, proper planning prevents poor performance and failure to prepare. Pre- prepare to fail? Well, I can't, of course, again, I can't not seem to figure out that when I make a list that I should start at the top when I put it into IMDb and end at the bottom so the newest stuff will be the last thing I review. And I just did that again, and, you know, it would probably take me a few minutes to go back in and and do it. But, like I said, we're not all about, like, uh, high-tech, like, preparation and recording and equipment and all that stuff like some of these other podcasts. Although I hear it's very lucrative to do Kickstarters and stuff like that for equipment. So, you never know. I could use some equipment. Uh, like uh, like maybe a, uh, a new pickup truck to drive me to the studio, you know, in the wintertime. So that, so that I can put this out. So maybe like, what is it, GoFundMe or Kickstarter or just, you know, straight up uh, extortion and blackmail. It could be something that, you know, you could do. I'm taking off my shoes right now, and my finger got caught in, in the shoestring. Like, uh, you know, when in Jaws, when Quint is teaching, um, what's his face? Chief Brody, you know, Chiefy. And he's teaching him how the, you know, the little brown eel goes into the hole, swims out of the hole, goes back into the hole, you know, and all that stuff. That's pretty cool, you know. Matt Hooper, you know, he knew all those fucking... Uh, he knew those knots. Quint wasn't going to, um, wasn't going to, uh, I don't know, was he intimidating or, you know, I don't know what he was doing. Be a macho, you know, that macho thing where he, you know, puts his pecker out on the, on the, uh, on the, the deck. As though it was on a boat, so it'd be a deck. And squish a Narragansett beer can. You know, that was kind of funny. 
But I didn't review that, and I didn't watch Jaws this week. This is a movie podcast, so, you know, you get a lot of um, references, because I'm a cinephile. Yeah, cinephile. Ooh, big words. Um, So anyway, there's not much going on. Well, there's a lot going on, because it's it's almost Christmas. And, uh, ooh, I got some, some gifts got some books some for for uh, some of the family members try to get some things that are um you know deliciously um intriguing along the line I, I, not like um hollywood babylon but a lot of some of the stuff was or is along those lines i think i must have stepped in mud or something out there one dog shit that was a penny. <laughs> I felt something cold on my toe. <laughs> Old Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, I got a penny by my toe. With Daniel Day-Lewis on the front of it, BB. Yeah, that was a good movie. That's another one. See? All right, well, that's about all I have to say this week. <laughs> Two movie reviews. Jaws and Lincoln. Um, Come here, Penny. There it is. What's uh, let me look at this? Okay, I can't tell if it was uh, heads up or tails up because you know you say find a penny, pick it up all day long, and have good luck. Because I picked it up with my toes, my uh, chimp-like toes. It is 2016 and uh, it's very shiny, very new. Uh, so we'll review some 2016 movies too, some new stuff uh, this week. But let's you know just kind of get into it, get going. I don't care how long this takes. I, you know, I'm just getting here. I'm bored. It's uh, about 5 a.m. Um, and uh, Christmas Eve, and uh, I'm going to uh, start the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Silver and Gold. All right, enough of that. Okay, the first thing I, I, I was watching, like I said, we're going to go, and uh, you know, uh, probably from the newest to the oldest because, uh, you know, I'm not going to go back through and enter all that stuff back into IMDb. And um, also, um, so some of the stuff as we get further away may be a little bit more vague. <laughs> all right. I, 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 start, I, I, was, I started watching Luke Cage on Netflix quite a while ago. And then, for some reason, I just I I um I stopped watching it. I kind of just stopped watching it. I think it's because I started watching Legends of Tomorrow, and um, really got into that. And so I was sitting in there just a little while ago, and I thought, you know what? I had to start watching uh, finish up Luke Cage. I only had like a probably like a two or three episodes left, and I and I really liked it. You know, I like the I like the feel of it. I like all the characters and everything. You know, you, you uh, it seems like a, in, in a lot of comics these days, um, when they put them in a TV show or sometimes even in the movies, maybe not as much in the movies, but they um, they kind of keep it more on a human feel. Like a lot of the gangsters in Luke Cage uh, were in, you know, the Luke Cage and um, also... Uh, a Power Man and Iron Fist, or just Power Man uh, comics, but they kind of keep them more like um, 
real world. I mean, they still might have the name Diamondback or Copperhead or something like that, but you know, not as much in the superpower stuff and costumes as they do. Um, you know, that's one thing. I, you know, I heard somebody talking about. They said where, uh, like, um, some, why some of these, like the X Men movies, why they they're not doing as well is that they try and you know they try and take the you know people when they go to see like Wolverine I mean Wolverine wore a costume and you know in in a great majority of the comics and got over and was successful and people liked him in the in the costume and everything but you know they decided to go that route where they're like we're going to make this more real the X-Men are never going to wear costumes and when they do they're just going to be like leather because leather's cool and they're all going to be dark they're all, all the costumes are going to be black and uh you know and and you know Logan or Wolverine or James Howlett or whatever the fuck his name is um you know he pretty much just walks around dressed like you know a guy and you know I know they can't keep it exactly as far as what the characters look like you got Hugh Jackman who's probably like over 6 feet tall and Wolverine's supposed to be like 5 foot four or something like that and they went with his hair a little bit more in the in the uh, first time you saw Jackman now like an old man Logan he just kind of has just regular hair you know I don't know about that you know why can't you fucking give him some cool Wolverine hair you know you make it gray but you know spike it up there a little bit on the sides whatever uh but I started watching Luke Cage again and uh really like um the character of Diamondback, the uh, you know, I remember when um, when they brought back the Luke Cage character in the the they brought the the character back in a comic a, a while back, and they tried to more you know like modernize him. He didn't have the yellow uh, you know kind of silky shirt with the flared collar and button down to his belly button and the the um, steel headband which i think is funny that in the new comic people say uh do you still have that tiara and he's like it's not a tiara it's a it was a it was a metal headband <laughs> and the and the wrist you know he had these like metal wrist bracelets and a chain around his waist they kind of give a nod to that in one episode of uh in a flashback one episode of of um you know uh, luke cage but in the comic where they brought him back the first time after power man and iron fist they they it's it's more like the the uh character in in the series luke cage where he pretty much just wears whatever he wants and um they did have diamond back in that too and uh i like uh the the uh, actor that plays diamond back is eric laray harvey and he is also in boardwalk empire and is really good he's got this uh menacing look but also you know um i don't know man he's just a cool guy he's got some charisma about him fuck i'd you know like to see him in a in a in a show like i said the last episode just him and chalky white and their adventures yeah that'd be kind of cool or you know diamondback and uh you know who let's see cotton mount well i guess we're not gonna have cotton mount but anyway (laughs) start watching this again i love all the characters in it i can't wait for them to if it's like legends of tomorrow which it almost already has been where they just start introducing, you know, some different characters here and there. I love Misty Knight in the comics. Love her in this, too. Um, she's a really cool character. Uh, I always liked that uh, her um, relationship with Danny Rand, who was Iron Fist. So hopefully they'll do something with that, you know, and not forget all about that. Because that, that was a cool uh, 
cool relationship. And in the comics, she was um, roommates with Jean Grey, who you know play, uh, was uh, Phoenix in uh, or Marvel Girl in X Men. And so every once in a while in the X Men, when it was the new X Men after Beast and Cyclops and uh, Warren Worthington the Third, Angel, Iceman, and uh, Marvel Girl, when they all got kidnapped by that friggin' living island and all that shit, and then they got rescued. Professor X had to create a new team with uh, with uh, Scott Summers, Cyclops as the lead, which they have never done him justice in the movies. I don't like that guy that plays him. You know, I read something the other day where they said the guy that plays Cy- Cyclops in the X-Men is one of the best actors of this time, and he doesn't get the acknowledgement. I was like, no, nah, no, he's not. And that's why he doesn't get the acknowledgement as being one of the best actors. But anyway, you know, it took Cyclops... And uh, Professor X said, you know, fuck, man, we got to get this new team together, you know, and uh, go rescue these fuckers. And it was, uh, let's see, Banshee, Sean Cassidy, it was Colossus, uh, Wolverine, uh, Thunderbird, um, who else was in that motherfucker? Nightcrawler, Storm, you know, you had some different people in there, and uh, Wolverine was like a goddamn psychopath. I mean, he'd just snap at the drop of a hat and be ready to fucking murder somebody on his own team. And, you know, I kind of like, like that. I don't know where, where where that was going or why I got on that tangent. But but um, Jean Grey and Misty Knight were roommates. See, I remembered. My memory came back. And um, so every every once in a while, just in... in uh, in the X-Men, after 100, when they had the new cast, the new team, you know, uh, they would stop by, like, Jean Grey's apartment. Here would be Misty Knight, and, you know, so maybe Iron Fist might be involved in there. But just kind of, like, on the periphery. They didn't go, you know, go too much, but it was kind of cool, you know. So I like that about this show, too. Um, it's, got a, it's, it's got a, you know, um, a... Um, black exploitation feel and i've heard some people like bitch about it and 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 especially in the new uh power man and iron fist comic i've heard a lot of bitching about that and um i think uh, i listened to uh i don't think i did i listened to uh, paleo cinema uh like last week and he was talking about uh superfly and what was the other one Frag. I don't think it was a black exploitation movie, but uh, it, but the movie Superfly with Ron O'Neill, and he kind of went down, you know, uh, a little, uh, you know, brief history of um, black exploitation, and um, how some people thought it was kind of a stereotypical and everything, and um, I just kind of like it, and you know, maybe it is, you know, I, I don't know, I'm, uh, it's not f- for me to uh, say whether I'm offended or not. And, you know, I hate to say it, I've brought this up before, uh, I still watch, like, Fu Manchu movies, or uh, Dr. Wong, or was it Professor Wong, or Dr. Wong, Boris Karloff, um, really watched any Charlie Chan, but, you know, they have, you know, the, the Yellow Peril kind of a thing, and the Yellow Peril uh, villains in comics, um, um, like Fu Manchu or Yellow Claw and stuff like that, and people get really pissed. And I'm maybe you know I'm sure if you're Asian, uh, it probably does. And you know maybe if if you're you know have a certain feeling about black exploitation and it makes you mad, you know I'm not gonna say that you're wrong or whatever. I'm just taking you know entertainment for entertainment's sake. And and the same thing when we were talking uh, about um, can't even remember if I talked about Bone Tomahawk last week. I know I watched it, but. Um, uh, got the same thing there where you have a conversation about uh, the portrayal of uh, Native Americans in um, 
in cinema and watching so, several of the you know movies that I watched last week like Indian Fighter and um, oh, what the hell was the one with the Chuck Keston and Jack Palance um, can't remember what the name it was off the top of my head but uh, you know the portrayal of Native Americans in that and one of the first movies that, that I remember them uh, treating Native Americans with more respect uh, from their perspective and everything. My dad took me when I was a little kid to see this movie called Windwalker, and it was all from the Native American point of view. I mean, if I remember correctly, there was there were a couple of movies like that, and they, you know, it was something that a kid could go see. I don't, I can't remember if Disney put it out. I don't think they did, but it was sort of along those lines. They were G-rated, but they were uh, made. Uh, the 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 storyline was like even before. Um, Europeans were on the continent or the whole storyline didn't have any Europeans in it at all. It was uh, the Native American tribes dealing with Native Amer- other Native American tribes or within their own culture. So it was kind of cool. And then I remember, you know, another one was um, um, Dustin Hoffman in Little Big Man. Uh, I remember a, a teacher, I can't remember if it was high school or if it was in college, where a teacher talked about that movie and how they portrayed uh, Native Americans as... Um, you know, just living in their own culture. They, they, you know, they were some of them. Say in their, you know, and it did have Europeans. You had stuff with Custer and some funny shit with Wild Bill Hickok and stuff like that. Teaching Dustin Hoffman how to be a gunfighter. But um, you saw Dustin Hoffman, who was kind of a, you know, a, a, a white settler who was raised by the the Sioux. Um, and he was living amongst them, and and you, you saw how how they were as just a people, and they're you know really, of course you know the living in teepees or whatever out on the on the plains, you know that was different. But as just people, you had some people that were assholes, you had you know some that were gay, you had you know some that were you know, and that's what the one professor told us. He said not all the Native American men were. Warriors. Some of them were hunter-gatherers. Some of them were the ones that were like the carpenters in the tribe or, you know, stayed at home and cooked or whatever. And, you know, you just had different – and even how the women were and everything. Um, so anyway, um, I like Luke Cage. Like it's a good sh- – I think it's a good show. Uh, I will continue to watch it. Uh, and again, like I said, can't wait to see um, – the, uh, you know where they go with it, and uh, the, I think the Marvel Knights that's coming up that's going to have. Um, I don't think it's going to be more uh, as much um, the like the the uh, comics they had Marvel Knights at that time one time too, which started out as a little mini series and then morphed into its own thing. But you know I wouldn't mind seeing a little Moon Knight maybe or um, you know throw the Punisher in there. Definitely want to see some more of Jessica Jones. I love that. That was a, that was excellent, and I want to see her and some more adventures, and her and uh, Luke Cage more together. Kind of dig that. So we'll get off the Luke Cage, and we're gonna click back, BB, to the next thing I watched, which was probably the last thing I watched. <laughs> okay, this is from 1962. This is uh, when I was going on the Yul Brenner thing um, last week, and I got on iTunes and just put in Yul Brenner and was looking for some stuff that I hadn't seen, which. Um, um, I found this movie called Escape from from Zarain from 1962. It was directed by Ronald uh, Neme or Neme Neme N E A M E. Written by Michael Barrett from his novel, and it stars Yul Brenner, Sal Mineo, Jack Warden, um, Madeline Rue. I'm not really sure. Uh, 
Uh, no, I don't know if I've ever heard her name before. And it has and uh, James Mason shows up too. Now, um, like I said, I hadn't seen this movie; had never even heard of it. And I think Dave Mack uh, had commented when I posted the the movie poster for it that he had never even heard of it. Um, in today's war on terror, you know, and our quest and un unquenchable uh, thirst for oil and uh, controlling the Middle East. Um, it's funny watching this movie because the character of Yul Brynner is a, a political prisoner. He's a Muslim. And he wants to... Uh, I, I guess the uh, from what I read, the, uh, the country of uh, Zarain is a fictional country. Um, but... I think when they showed the map on in the movie, there I, I believe they showed like Iraq or Iraq, if you want to pronounce it correctly. You know, we always say Iran and it's Iran. Um, but anyway, uh, in today's uh, uh, you know patriotic uber national nationalism and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I have to drink of this delicious. Um, what do you call it? Peppermint tea. Yeah, dig it. Got to get that frog out. <clears throat> As Howard Stern would say, clear your throat. <clears> throat> there. Now it's clear. Um, but watching this movie... Now, if I would have watched this when I was a kid, I wouldn't have thought anything about any of this stuff as far as politically. But then I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is one of the reasons that that you don't see it or hear about it too much is that, uh, like I said, Yul Brynner's character is a... Um, political prisoner who is uh, you know this happens in the first like minute of the movie um he escapes and his basic quest is to um get out of the country where he he's safe marshal uh, his forces get a bunch of his followers together and go back and liberate his country from the uh, europeans who are you know of course they're just exploiting the people stealing all the resources which is oil and um, Z- uh, Jack Warden is a um, uh, an oil wor- uh, rig worker who kind of got disillusioned himself and uh, you know liked to drink and fight and everything and was in the same prison. Salminio, who you know, uh, they, they definitely threw. You had Yul Brynner in there as the uh, good-looking, charismatic, macho leader, uh, and, and you never. I don't. I don't think in the entire movie you get to see Yul Brynner's you know, iconic shaved head. He wears the, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm, you know, ignorant of what this is called, but the, uh, it, it wasn't like the, like a chic would wear, but I think it's just like a makeshift version of that. Cause he was in prison. So he has like a, a kind of a, a, a cloth or a towel or something over his head tucked down in his shirt to, you know, protect him from the sun, which is, you know, normal. Cause I think he was a, um, like a, his, he came from these nomads and, um, uh, Salminio is the younger, sexy, you know, uh, eye candy for the movie, and he, uh, uh, through a great part of the movie, you know, has his shirt either off or uh, unbuttoned or ripped open and everything. And um, the, the the greater majority of the movie is them just trying to escape across the desert. And you have um, some um, of the, uh, I don't want to say federal troops, but the, uh, the, uh, country's troops uh coming after them uh 
a few at a time and then uh, some you know airplanes looking for them and stuff like that plus then you have them battling the desert they have this one guy with them and i was going to look up what his name was because he was a dick <laughs> tahar maybe uh, no 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 it was hassan uh, portrayed by Jay Novello, and he was just a really sleazy guy, you know. Because when they broke him out of prison, you know, there was there were uh, several of the people that were just in prison, like Jack Warden and this guy. And this guy, he's not. Uh, he might be a Muslim, but he he's he's a real sleazy motherfucker. And so he causes some issues. And then of course you you have a nurse that was uh, in the uh, ambulance that they uh, steal to get away to get through roadblocks and stuff. And she's really pretty and. And uh, so you have the you know that kind of tension and everything, but they do have the you know they talk about some you know the Muslim stuff where uh, Jack Warden uh, gets a bottle of booze and he wants to drink and he offers it to everybody else and they're like you know our religion we're not you know we don't uh, drink and um, like I said I was surprised to see James Mason show up I thought this was pretty good it's not great but um, you know uh, I can't remember who it was that commented that it wasn't very good but you know i enjoyed it i like uh you know older movies and like you know 50s and 60s especially like in the you know uh, like the the early 60s and you know before it got to be like the um i mean i like the uh anti-hero and stuff like that but i also liked still when you know the the, the studios still kind of had some control and made some epics and you know, with with the old movie stars who were had that charisma, you know, movie star, movie stars. You know, like I said, I like Peter Fonda, Jack Nicholson, Robert De Niro, um, you know, whoever. Warren Oates, love those guys too. But I still like the the uh, glamorous uh, movie star guys. And Yul Brenner, big fan. So you know, I recommend that one. Dig it. Uh, next thing I watched was a more current movie. Um, it was released i believe they have it as a uh, same same day as theaters on itunes um but it was made like in 2014 i believe but it's set on the shelf because the studio that made it um well first of all there was a big story which i found more almost more interesting than the movie about this movie it's, the movie is 2000 it says 2015 soulless um not like as in you have no soul, but S O L A C E, solace. I'm sorry, not solace, solace. And uh, it stars um, Anthony Hopkins, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Abby Cornish, and Colin Farrell. Um, and I was reading about the movie, and like I said, the the backstory of the movie was um, Sean Bailey and I guess Ted Griffin. Uh, decided they wanted to make a sequel to the movie Seven that starred Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. And of course, headphones are bothering my glasses, which are bothering my ears. Well, headphones are pushing into my glasses, which are bothering my ears, so bear with me. And I will try and uh, persevere through this. Um, They wanted to make a sequel to the movie Seven. Now, that probably wouldn't have been a bad idea but I think where they got cross crossways with uh, Fincher was when they said they wanted Morgan Freeman's character to develop like uh, mental powers, like uh, sort of like a clairvoyance or a second sight or something like that. And I think when Fincher heard that, he said, uh, "No, I'm not fucking. You're not doing this and calling it a sequel to Seven and having the same characters because he wanted to have Morgan Freeman." 
you know, they wanted to have Morgan Freeman play, you know, reprise his, his role from Seven. So the studio said, you know, hey, okay, well, this is still a good script. Let's just change it around. We won't have anything where it has anything to do with Seven. We'll change the characters' names and everything and just have it stand on its own. And I believe that, like, a, a major, I can't remember which one it was, but a major studio was the one that was going to put it out at first. And then they said, okay, well, you know, the script's sitting there. Let's make it anyway. And they gave it to a smaller studio. And that studio ended up, I think, filing bankruptcy or something. So then the movie sat on the shelf for like a couple of years. And they finally decided to distribute it. And of course, uh, a lot of times when movies, when you, when you either see them on uh, like Comcast in demand where you have to pay for it, but it's uh it says same day as theaters uh, or on iTunes, same day as theaters. Uh, a lot of times they're not being released very to very many theaters, if any at all. And sometimes it's uh, a movie that, is really super good uh, and they want to get the word out so they figure hey you know people if we put it in the theaters people probably aren't going to go see it because nobody knows about it but we're we're going to create a buzz because we're going to put it on iTunes for 99 cents and and we're we're going to really push it and say hey you know this is a a big find um this one is okay uh, it's not great uh the cast I like the cast I like uh, of course Anthony Hopkins is usually good and everything he got in a in a thing there for a while where after Silence of the Lambs, I think he he got in a, a kind of a hammy kind of a thing. Um, I did not know. I thought this was going to be kind of a straight-up cop movie. I did read beforehand that um, the Anthony Hopkins character was a um, psychic that had helped Jeffrey Dean Morgan's uh, policeman solve some crimes in the past. And Jeffrey Dean Morgan had been skeptical, and then he helped him. So he was bringing him out of retirement to help him with this case. I didn't even know that Colin Farrell was even in it, I don't believe, until I rented it. And um, I have a few things about this movie that, um, like I said, it's worth a watch. It's not great or anything. It goes in some directions that I did not think it would go in at all. I thought it was going to be, you know, basically a serial killer movie, and um, it didn't disappoint as far as that goes, but it takes a totally different direction on the motives of the guy. Uh, it takes uh, the relationship between Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Anthony Hopkins' character. Uh, there's a personal relationship there. I just thought it was really not strained, but um, they were pushing it too much. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, okay, uh, Anthony Hopkins' character's name is John, and every time, it seemed to me, like every time Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character is talking to Anthony Hopkins' character, he says his name, John. He's like, John, let's go in here and check this out. John, what do you think about this? John, how's your sandwich? You know what, John? I really like this, John. What do you think about this, John? John, 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 John. And it's like, Jesus, okay, you know, I don't know, but why that got on my nerves? And it seemed like, you know, Jeffrey D. Morgan's character was trying to show that he had this real, almost like, uh, 
affection that you would have for like your grandpa or something with Anthony Hopkins. It just didn't come off as natural to me. I would have rather seen him be kind of like a hard-boiled character. And, you know, you knew that they had like a, a relationship with everybody, but it, it just seemed like he was just trying to just scream at the screen, I, I have a special relationship with this guy. So I didn't really buy into that. And, and I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan in like The Watchmen. And um, I've seen him in some other things that I liked him in. But in this one, I just kind of like, eh, <laughs> um, Abby Cornish is pretty good looking. Eh, I mean, she wasn't bad or anything. Um, you see some people in this that you, you know, uh, Kenny Johnson, he was in, I think, uh, Sons of Anarchy, and he was also in The Shield. Um, you have a, a few people that uh, Janine Turner, uh, some people that show up that are faces that you will recognize, and you know I'm not going to go through a whole bunch of them. Uh, Matt Gerald, I've seen him, or Gerald Gerald, <laughs> and then there's this guy named Colin Farrell who shows up in it too. He was pretty good. Um, uh, all in all, I give it about a six. It wasn't uh, it wasn't great, but you know it was different and there were a couple of things in it that really that happened where i was like jesus christ you know one of those deals i didn't expect you know what i'm saying next thing i'm moving on daddy o throwing in a little of the old flavor um here fart noise creak 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 um no that's not for this next one i really like this last this next movie it's uh 1999's the 13th warrior um this was directed by john mctiernan John McTiernan and Michael Crichton is uncredited as director. I don't know what that is. Uh, McTiernan, I guess that kind of got some kind of Irish thing going. Scottish. I don't even know what the fuck he is, but anyway. Um, this is based on a book, a novel by Michael Crichton, who's famous for like Jurassic Park and Andromeda Strains, other stuff that I like. Uh, stars Antonio Banderas and a whole bunch of Viking people. Uh, including Omar Sharif, who's not a Viking, but, you know, always like see, we're talking about the old uh, Hollywood stars. Uh, big, big fucking movie stars. You know, Omar Sharif, Dr. Zhivago, and the goddamn Knight of the Generals, which is fucking great. And, uh, you know, shitload of fucking good movies with that goddamn mustache and a fucking gap between his teeth. You know, if I can give that gap tooth fucking smile. Hell of a gambler. Uh, was a gambler or is he a... Uh, I think he's a gambler. I wanted to say like a bridge player, but I th- I can't remember if it was. Yeah, I think it was poker or something like that. I like to go to casinos and lose a shitload of money, but I think he had a shitload of money to lose. So who gives a fuck? Uh, but anyway, you have the the Bandaras in this, and um, um, watched this the other night, um, uncut. It's on. T- it, it was on TV somewhat, but it's a pretty fucking violent movie. Um, you have Antonio Banderas as a um, comes from the Middle East. Another movie where the heroes from the Middle East, you know, which my God today, oh my God, you know, Jesus, you know, there's well, not, not Jesus, but praise be to Allah, you know. Well, they would probably say Jesus. Well, you can't have a uh, an a uh, 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 Middle Eastern, an Arab, or a Muslim as a as a fucking hero. But this is really good. I liked it when I saw it in the theater the first time. Um, Got a lot of violence, a lot of Viking, uh, macho Viking shit. It didn't have as much, it didn't have a, a, a lot of, uh, Viking fucking in it. You know, the, the kind of like, uh, yeah, like Conan the Barbarian. I know he wasn't a Viking, he was Sumerian, but, you know, that kind of thing where, you know, they just, uh, you know, rough ass, uh, porno 
dirty, hairy screwing. <laughs> uh, but it made it a little bit better. But maybe there'll be a director's cut out one of these days. Or, you know, maybe some Viking man-on-man action, you know? I mean, they they like to, to uh, what do you call it, uh, like, uh, uh, like, uh, brawl and you know, grab each other's muscles and uh, challenge each other and try and make others other men submit and when they would kill somebody in like a contest the other guys would be like ha ah, yeah ho 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 you know like that kind of shit there was some uh, homoerotic male bonding in this which was pretty cool um, but you have like a uh, Ben Dadas and uh, Omar Sharif uh, come to uh He's like an ambassador. He fucks uh, uh, the sheikh's um, wife or girlfriend or something, and the guy's like, hey, motherfucker, you know, you're from a rich family and everything, but uh, I'm going to fuck you up, so I'm going to send you out as an ambassador to the world, and you're going to go on these fucking uh, horses and on a boat or whatever and just go and wander and be an ambassador to our country. So um comes across these, uh, I guess the Tartars are chasing him, and by coincidence, these Vikings are coming down the fucking river or ocean or whatever the fuck in their goddamn big Viking boat with a big fucking thing on the front. It's like a dragon or something. I don't know what it is. And um, so Banderas kind of, you know, he he's does his job. He's he's naive, you know, as far as he says, you know, why are we running from these people? We're, we're I'm supposed to be learning about them. And they're like, we're running because they're going to fucking kill us and rape our buttholes. So anyway... He gets in with the Vikings, and he, you know, they kind of look down on him and treat him like a putz. And, uh, but he's very good with languages. And I think that um, probably in the book, it probably goes a lot, takes a lot longer on their on their quest. So it gives them a lot more time to learn their language. Uh, but in the movie, you know, because they're pressed for time, I think it's maybe like about an hour and a half long movie. Um, they're sitting around the campfire, and it, it seems like it's only like maybe a week or so. And Banderas is. Uh, Watching, watching them speak. Now, I think at the beginning, uh, one of them says something about his horse being too small, because they all ride these great big fucking horses, you know. And he's riding this smaller, like stallion, but it's a smaller horse, uh, shorter. And um, they they laugh and make fun of him and say something about him riding a dog. Well, Omar Sharif interprets. He says, you know, what they said was you're riding a dog. Well, he's very intelligent. He rem- It's almost like a a cipher where you take like uh, uh, the most common words, say like in the English language, if you know it's based on English language or German or whatever, you take the most common words like if, and, but, the, and things like that. And um, if you know, like he says, you know, something about you riding a a dog, uh, they didn't know that uh, people from our country ride a dog. Well, he would, he, he remembered what he heard and then remembered Omar Sharif interpreting it and figured out what words meant what and just went from there listening to him and you know like I said I think it probably probably in the novel and I may be wrong it, it, I'm sure it took a lot longer but in the movie pressed for time he learns their language so then he impresses them by learning their language especially when they're when they're fucking talking behind his back and then he lets them know that he knows and they're like hey man say man what the fuck wrong with you <laughs> you know how did you learn this language and he was like yo I listen to you you know and then of course uh, he, he they go through a uh, some trials of Bandadas where they still think he's a little puss and everything and uh, um, they give him this huge sword and he's, you know, they're big 
fucking Vikings, and they're used to wielding these big axes, even you know, for work or for killing people, and these huge swords. And you know, he's kind of a smaller, more slight guy. And uh, uh, so, of course, you go through these things where they're like, "Here, take this sword." He can already lift it, and and the horse, you know, being short and small and everything. But he wins them over with his with his prowess and with his bravery. Now, you you, you throw in, and this is the main thing that you throw in. They come across these people that are been, have been devastated, and these people um, say, you know, the, these things are like monsters, and uh, and and it's almost like a horror movie. And that's kind of the one of the things that I like about the movie. It's kind of like a horror movie because they say, you know, hey, you know, the, these things, they just come in the night. It's like on this dragon. You see this dragon coming. Uh, and uh, the flames shooting out of it, and these things show up, and they're like, they have these giant claw, like bear claws, and uh, and you know when they go out looking for them, they find these prints that look like these bear claws, and heads of bears and bodies like humans and everything, and and they eat our people, like they kill us, but they fucking cut our cut the heads off, and they and they, they fucking eat people, and you know they're like what, you know, so they're brave as shit but they're you know when they hear all this stuff and then they start seeing evidence of it they're like jesus fucking christ and there was a prophecy that said that you know that 13 of them had to go to this village where this happens and so it's almost like a magnificent seven kind of a movie and 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 what's cool about it is you know you have the 13 different guys there's several of them the main ones that that you focus on and they do a good job like they did with yul brenner steve mcqueen uh charles bronson you know of having guys that each have their individual charisma, individual look, and everything. Um, the guy, uh, Bulvif, he's the leader. Um, let's see, Vladimir Kulish, or yeah, I guess it would be Vladimir Kulish. This motherfucker looks like Thor. He's everybody else is real dirty looking and everything. His his fur that he wears is like almost blonde. His hair is fucking blonde. He looks like fucking Thor. And I mean, he's the leader, man. He's he's good looking as shit. He's got muscles and everything. So you kind of have that. So anyway, I, I really like this movie. And I like how um, a lot of it takes place at night. Because um, that's when these things attack. And it really gives this ominous, scary kind of a thing. And it's, it's a siege movie, pretty much. Once they get hunkered down and everything at this... At this uh, uh, village, you know, they turn. It's almost like th- uh, Thirteen Assassins, uh, the samurai movie, where uh, you know they they they're under siege by this greater overwhelming force, or the Magnificent Seven, Seven Samurai, whatever. Um, so anyway, um, got off track. Don't want to, you know. I'm sure everybody, you know, most of the people that. Uh, listen to the podcast have seen this but i still dig it and you know i hadn't watched it in a while and i liked it again and i'll put it on the shelf and i'm sure i'll watch it again and this is the kind of movie i like sharing with like say even my nephew or or somebody that that has never you know has never seen it it's a good guy movie you know and i'm not trying to be sexist because i'm sure there's some ladies out there like see those hunky uh vikings you know uh smashing people's fucking heads in and shit and showing their muscles and all kind of crap. Uh, there was a, 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 a woman in this. I forgot about this one po- point, and it just re- reminded me so much of the Enchantress from Suicide Squad. But uh, watch the movie again and uh, and enjoy it. That's what we're here for, mother freakers. 
you know, <laughs> sensory. I, I like doing the, uh, after seeing several uh, Steven Seagal movies on USA Network, I love the term Mother Freaker or uh, just, yeah, like, uh, do you want to be buried or do you want to be cremated? Buried. You cremated now, Mother Freaker? You know, Steven Seagal is so fucking awesome. Uh, he's an awful human being, but he's awesome. <laughs> and, you know, who knows? Maybe this is why they're having. Uh, he may be one of the one of the main reasons that we're having this uh, um, insurgence. I was going to say resurgence, but I think it's more of an insurgence because I don't think there's ever been like a great love for the the Russians in in America. But uh, Steven Seagal, the ambassador to Russia, and Vladimir Putin may he. Uh, I think that. Um, Fucking uh, Donald Trump will probably pick him as the ambassador to uh, to uh, Moscow. I don't know. Couldn't be any worse. Well, yeah, I guess it could be. So let's not get off into that. Next thing I watched was a newer movie or a new movie. Uh, another one uh, that's uh, you know in the theaters. Yeah, dig it. Ooh, uh, from 2016. It's called The Hollow Point. This was directed by Gonzalo Lopez Galeo. Uh, and it's uh, written by Nils Liu or Liu. Uh, it says it was uh, well. I guess maybe that's when it was uh, released. It was released in the Netherlands in De- uh, on December sixteenth, um, starring Patrick Wilson, Ian McShane, and John Leguizamo. Now, one of the reasons I rented this, it looked cool, it looked violent as shit too, uh, and I like Ian McShane, but I, I kind of. Uh, Wanted to watch some uh, Patrick Wilson stuff. I like the guy, you know, and I think it was because I watched Bone Tomahawk last week, and uh, uh, which I found out this week, Bone Tomahawk, the character of that Patrick Wilson played in Bone Tomahawk, was supposed to be played by Timothy Oliphant, and uh, they were going to have like a, a re uh, what you call it with Timothy Oliphant and. Um, uh, who the fuck was in that? <laughs> and the reason that was brought up in this was he was supposed to play Patrick Wilson's character in this too, Timothy Oliphant. And it was going to be a re-tag-teaming of Timothy Oliphant and Ian McShane. Uh, but Timothy Oliphant pulled out and they said that this was the second time that Patrick Wilson had replaced Timothy Oliphant. The other time was Bone Tomahawk. I don't know if that's true or not, but I read it on the internet, so it must be. Um this is a fucking violent fucking movie, and it, it's got some brutal fucking violence in it. Uh, it takes place in uh, on the border uh, between uh, Tejas and uh, Mexico, and um, what it has to do with. Um, at first, I thought it was going to be like a more like a like a drug drug running movie, drug smuggling, but what it, uh, what it actually is is uh, they're smuggling um, uh, ammunition. Uh, all these guns got smuggled into uh, Mexico, uh, I guess by the, um, you know, when they, what was it, the, the fucking big scam where they said that the, um, the ATF smuggled all these guns or the DEA or whoever smuggled all these guns into Mexico to arm the fucking drug dealers. I don't know if that's an internet um, rumor or conspiracy theory or what. But the way this is sold is, uh, you know, they have all these guns and they they use them so much they ran out of ammo, so they're smuggling, you know, ammunition down there. These cop killer, cop killer ammo that had, I guess, uh, I don't know if they have the uh, Teflon bullets or whatever. That, you know, I don't think it's the same ammo that uh, Diamondback was using on Luke Cage with the alien ore. <laughs> Q 
keeping it all tied together, baby. See, it all flows. You think it's all crazy, but it flows together. Um, but Patrick Wilson, uh, Ian McShane is the, the like the sheriff of this town, and he's just a brutal motherfucker. And um, he does some shit and uh, is like either on probation or fired. But he's the sheriff for a long time. Kind of think along the lines of uh, Chris Christopherson's character in Lone Star. Not quite as big of a prick as that, but sort of. And uh, Patrick Wilson's taking his place. Had to adjust the headphones again. And um, he's taking his place. And there's some almost like 13th Warrior where the uh, legend that precedes this thing that's going to happen scares the fuck out of everybody. They talk about this, this these um, gun runners, gun smugglers, drug dealers, cartels and everything. And they said if you cross them, they send this these people or this person. And he's like a, the fucking Terminator. Nothing gets in his way. Nothing stops him. He is the devil. And he fucking will kill you. And anybody on this list, when they put your name on this fucking list, you might as well fucking get your goddamn insurance and your burial plot in order. And it's not going to be a pleasant experience when he kills you. So um, it's kind of terrifying. Again, almost sort of like it has a little bit of a feel of a um, a horror movie. Gulp. Now, um, this one is pretty good. It's not great. It's a it's above average. It has some good violence in it. Um, like Ian McShane's character, uh, John Leguizamo. Now, another thing that that brought me to this movie, and um, this is kind of fun. I don't know if it's kind of funny, but it has Jim Belushi in it. And you know, for some reason, I, I reviewed like the the goddamn principal and uh, that that um, it's like goddamn canine or whatever with him and the German Shepherd. Like they had about four of them, and I I watched all of them. And shit. I like Jim Belushi, you know. I was watching uh, or listening to uh, Gilbert Godfrey's, Godfrey's podcast, and they were talking to uh, Zero Mostel's um, son on there, and uh, it was brought up that uh, after, you know, because I watched Animal House last week, he brought up that uh, they made these spinoffs to Animal House, and they didn't want to call the spinoff on TV, or a TV series spinoff, and they called it Delta House. And they said, they well, they didn't want to call it Animal House because... Uh, they they thought they might make a sequel to Animal House, a movie sequel. So they called it Delta House, and it did have John Vernon in it, and I think D Day was in it, and uh, maybe there was a couple couple people from the movie were in it, but um, Zero Mostel's son uh, played Bluto Bluto Blutarski's younger brother, and I remember watching this because I loved Animal House, and then when the series came on, uh, I thought, man, it's gonna be good, and it wasn't. It wasn't very good at all uh, so, and it got cancelled um, but they you know they were talking about like Jim Belushi and uh, John Belushi and everything and so you know Jim Belushi is in this and he's pretty good you know he, he this one thing about you know you had John Belushi and maybe if he would have lived uh, he you know I know he tried to make um, uh, like the, the movie where he was the um, the writer and he went on like a sabbatical and went up to the mountains in this cabin to write and it was more of a serious movie even though he got attacked by like a mountain lion and punched it in the nuts and stuff and uh then kind of like when bill murray made his serious movie before you know he made his big comeback um but also he was in well he was in uh that jack nicholson movie was it going south 
but he only had like a small part as like a, a Mexican bandit or something, which is kind of funny. But Jim Belushi has kind of he didn't go the way of John Belushi, and I kind of admire that. He kind of had more of a tough guy, blue collar guy thing, and you know, had that TV show with that chick from Melrose who was hot. Courtney Thorne Smith. I always liked her. I liked her way better than like Heather Locklear. And I also remember at one time they had Tracy Lords on uh on uh goddamn Melrose, which was kind of funny, you know. Here's Tracy Lords and I mean, yeah, I was a big fan. And 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 just to let somebody know, you know, they then this one well, I'm not even gonna bring this up, but you know, uh I will just say um if you post pictures on the internet of Tracy Lords naked when she was making porn movies, there's a good chance that it's a possibility that you might be, it might be construed that you're posting child pornography. So, you, you know, some people, I don't know if people want to look out for that or not. So, you know, just letting some people know. I don't know how much they follow that. And it just depends because if if you're in Europe, of course the internet's, you know, Worldwide and in Europe, you can still watch her movies because there's a different age of consent and everything. So anyway, moving on. Uh, the Hollow Point was worth a watch. It's a it's a pretty fucking violent ass movie, and if you like uh, violent uh, cop movies, pretty good. Not not great, but pretty good. Give it a watch. It's on uh, iTunes. Um, next thing I watched is something I've been wanting to get around to for a long time, and I just just haven't. No disrespect to uh, uh, a friend who actually wrote and directed this. It's uh, called Eurocrime, the Italian cop and gangster films that ruled the 70s. And this was from 2012, written and directed by a friend of the show and friend of our community, Mike Malloy, who's a great guy. Um, I finally got this. And, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to, you know, at Christmas time when you, you're buying presents for everybody else and you buy, you know, sometimes you, you buy yourself a present. And I do that all year round, you know, because you know I don't have a wife or kids or anything. So a lot of times I'll, I'll, uh, you know, the Zom likes to get a get a get a gift every once in a while. And um, sometimes when the shipping takes a long time to to reach you, you forget about it, and then it's really like getting a surprise. <laughs> I have never had Amazon wrap a a gift or, or something I've bought for myself though and put a card. How to do that one of these days? Have it sent to my mom. And then I will go there and pick it up like, I don't know. But anyway, it's nice to get something, even if you get it for yourself. And it doesn't have to be something big. My God, it could be, you know, a fucking graphic novel or a manga, something like that. I'll be talking about later. So anyway, I got Eurocrime, the Italian cop gangster films that ruled the 70s by Mike Malloy. This is fucking awesome. Um, I wish I hadn't waited, but I'm kind of glad it. After all the weight that I did get to see it, he does a great job um, getting these people that were in Eurocrime movies that were behind the scenes and that starred in interviews. You had Franco Nero, John Saxon, Henry fucking Silva. I was like, holy shit, because I had heard that he was kind of difficult to get a hold of and to do interviews. So here's fucking Silva. I was like, Jesus Christ, our fucking show is named after Henry Silva. And he's still, the motherfucker has this mask, this face that looks like a goddamn, uh, you know those um, like kabuki masks that are like the devil? In uh, the Wolverine um, Wolverine comic, they had this one um, 
This one villain that was fighting him, it was Wolverine and Kitty Pride comic. What the fuck was that cocksucker's name? <laughs> I think it was like some dude that maybe had trained Logan or something like that. And it's right on the tip of my tongue, and I know that uh, Ken or Mikey or, or uh, you know, Jesus Christ, somebody's going to fucking be like, it was... Wasn't I want to say Ronan? It, was, it wasn't Ronan. It was a uh, Go Ro, Gogan Rogan. God damn it, son of a bitch! <laughs> I'm gonna look this up right now. I don't want to hear any shit, so I'm gonna look it up. Uh, <laughs> Wolverine and Kitty Pride. Bear with me. I'm gonna play some music while I do this. Do, do, do. You know it's hard to type when you're playing music. I couldn't like play a guitar or a bass and sing, obviously. Wolverine and Kitty, Kitty Pride. Uh, <laughs> woo! All right, motherfuckers, motherfreakers. Where's the goddamn Wikipedia, son of a bitch? Okay, plot summary. Tiffany's Yakuza, Yakio. Where's that fucker's name? Oh, Ogan. Okay. Okay, that was it. So anyway, he wears like one of those masks that looks like it's a Japanese uh, kabuki mask or whatever, but it looks like the devil. That's what Silva's fucking face looks like. It still looks like that. Now, when he fucking smiles, you still are like, Jesus Christ, is he f- the fucker smiled. But when he's not smiling and he kind of is looking, looking down or you know, has his head kind of down to the side and everything, oh my God, I don't know. I'm convinced he's a, that he's a fucking uh, robot. I want to say fembot, but he is definitely not feminine. Antony, uh, Antonino Sabato Jr. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, Antonino Sabato, not Antonino Sabato Jr. Um, Luke Miranda, Fred Williamson, Richard Harrison, Christopher Mitchin, Mitchum, uh, Enzo Castellari, uh, Leonard Mann, Joe D'Alessandro. You got all kind of fucking people in this, and it's awesome. You have the interviews with them and everything. Um, great uh, footage. And they break it down, you know, into, uh, you know, you start out with uh, how the Euro, you know, how the Italian cinema uh, mimicked American cinema and the spaghetti westerns and, and, and the sword and sandals and then how it morphed. When that started going away, how it morphed and the Euro crime after Dirty Harry, French Connection, all this stuff. Just fascinating shit. And you also have something that I would not, never thought that I would hear discussed, which was uh, piss torture. Um, you know, and, and I wanted to reach out to Mike Malloy or or Will or or, or some, you know Todd uh, Colley or whoever. I'm sorry, I didn't mention the names. Everybody knows her. If you're listening to this show, you know people. Yeah, and people know people, and you know we're like a, we're like a community or something. Um, so anyway, uh, piss torture. I need to find some some uh, Euro crime movies that have piss torture. <laughs> you know what though? I'll be honest with you. It, uh, I've never been a fan of uh, urine in in sex scenes. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, this is a great documentary. Um, it you can you can get it on uh, Amazon Prime, just like an instant watch thing, and watch it. I bought the DVD; it was worth it. Uh, and another thing that I did not know was on there until after I watched the whole thing, and I just went to the to the uh, menu is they have a fucking big, long, um, um, goddamn interview with. Um, <laughs> Damn it. Tomas Milian. I drew a blank. I'm sorry. I didn't even have to look it up, but it came to me. Uh, Milian. And and uh, I love 
Tomas Milian. I, I do think it's funny that right off the bat, like when uh, they're asking him about you know his Eurocrime films, he's like, "Why don't you ask me about? <laughs> why don't you ask me about traffic?" You know, it's like uh, uh, I think Mike said that he was a little bit difficult. So I, w- I was wondering if he, you know, was like, "Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about my Hollywood stuff." You know, but uh, I will say this, and no disrespect, because I have all the respect in the world for this guy. He he entertained the fuck out of me, uh, and just about everything I've watched him in. He's a chameleon. He could play, you know, he could play comedy. He could play sleaze. He could play a psycho. He could play, you know, in that one Western, my God, he was like the fucking devil in the desert, you know, um, and traffic and some of these, you know, newer, you know, Hollywood movies and everything. So, but, uh, you know, dude, wash your hair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Watch it. You'll see what I mean. And you know, like I said, go out and get it if you haven't got it. And if not any, if if anything, you know, support uh, you know your independent filmmakers. I mean, you know, uh, I, I want to ask uh, you know Mike, you know, what else are you doing? Because this was fucking great. And if you're doing some other stuff, let us know. You know, when it's coming out and everything. I want to. I want to see it. So anyway, I'm licking on his balls big time. Uh, next thing I watched was 1981's Body Heat. Uh, written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. And this stars uh, William Hurt, Kathleen Turner, Richard Crenna. It's got Sam Malone, Ted Danson from uh, Cheers. Also a, uh, a small but very uh, memorable role by uh, young and pre-plastic um, surgery Mickey Rourke. You got, a, you got a cameo by a Bob Seger song, and everybody knows I love Bob Seger along with uh, Large William from uh, up there uh, north of the Boulder. And um, also, if you're a, a, a Guiding Light fan, you have a uh, um, uh, Kim Zimmer, who played Reva Shane on the Guiding Light. And she was a good-looking woman. You know what? When Guiding... You know, there's people, some people might might watch Soap, so there'll be a few, few of you on it that listen to this that'll know who I'm talking about. But when Kim Zimmer, on Guiding Light, when she was young, she was fucking hot. And uh, she was still, she was good looking. She, was, she had that some, the sexy quality, and she kind of reminds me. I can't put my finger on it, who it was, but somebody that I knew, like in maybe in high school, or that I worked with when I was younger. She got this, she got this, uh, this, these eyes, and she's hot. And when she got when she got older, she still tried to kind of sex it up every once in a while in the guiding light, and she was a little bit, you know, she's trying to wear this dress that was real tight and everything. And eh. now, if I watched it, I'd be like, yeah, she still looks hot because I'm older, but you know. Uh, when I was young, and I saw an older her doing it, remembering how you know slim and everything she was, and now she's a little bit heavier and everything. But yeah, I'd probably go out with her. <laughs> now, <laughs> this is a sleazy fucking movie, man. Um, I believe it's kind of uh, um, a remake of uh, Double Indemnity, uh, from what I read, yeah, with Fred McMurray and uh, Barbara Stanwyck. Um, uh, you have uh, William Hurt and uh, Kathleen Turner. And Kathleen Turner in this, she's another one. My God, when she was young, Jesus Christ. And, and especially in this movie, just smoldering. You know, she was in the Itty Bitty Titty Committee Club. But holy shit, um, fucking uh, just sexy. Sexy as hell wore these fucking tight-ass skirts. T- uh, uh, fucking like a silk blouse, like no bra. If there was a bra, it was fucking sheer as hell uh you know and everybody in this movie just sweats it's fucking hot i think it's like in florida and and it's just fucking steamy it's the hottest summer on record it reminds me of like uh the hot spot with a dennis hopper movie with uh don johnson and um 
and um, all them Virginia Madsen and uh, Jennifer Conley and how how they were just sweating all the time. And it just it just made it even steamier and hotter sexually because they were just sweating, you know. Kathleen Turner, you know, she got the you know sweat dripping down between her breasts and and like when they're after they have sex, <laughs> they're just laying there. William Hurst just fucking soaked with sweat. His hair slicked back because he's so sweaty. Everybody's just sweating. <laughs> Everybody wants to fucking sweat. <laughs> so anyway, William Hurst is goddamn fucking like a lawyer and. Uh, he gets involved with uh oh Richard Crenna's in this too and Richard Crenna's always good man that fucker I mean he had a he had a he had a good um good career Colonel Troutman and he's married to Kathleen Turner and then she you know she's one of these ones when she walks into the goddamn room it's like when Faye Dunaway walked into Jake Giddis's uh office in Chinatown. As soon as she walks in the fucking room, you're just like, your fucking tongue fucking, like, rolls out onto the floor, and your dick fucking bounces up and hits you in the chin, and you just know, you, you might as well just, <laughs> when they when they walk in the room, you're just like, oh, shit. Because you just know, if you've ever encountered women like this, that you're just gonna be a dumbass, and they're gonna just fucking get you in trouble, and it's probably gonna be worth it. <laughs> So, uh, William Hurt, him and Richard Crenna kind of, you know, they started, he wants him to do some stuff for him as far as the you know, lawyer and everything. And, of course, you know, she's putting out, I mean, my God, she just might as well. <laughs> you know when a, when a cat wants to screw and they, they put their ass up in the air, <laughs> And they're like spraying out this, uh, and fucking William Hurt's like, I oh, get like a moth to the flame. Don't look at the flame. I can't help it. And uh, this movie's just fucking awesome. I love it. <laughs> it's so sleazy. So I won't talk anymore about it. But it's it's funny. It's funny in a not funny way. It's not supposed to be funny. It's not funny. I just think it's funny because it's just so sleazy. Uh, next thing I watched was a new movie. Uh, another, you know. Uh, now in theaters, but you can get it now. From 2016, uh, it's called A Kind of Murder, um, and it's uh, directed by Andy Goddard and written by Susan Boyd, who are uh, um, the screenplay. The uh, the the novel was uh, Patricia Highsmith, which was the um, talented Mr. Ripley and all that shit, which is great stuff. Um, I got to take a drink of the delicious beverage. So just speak amongst yourselves. This is like a break. What they call a break. Um, we'll do commercials for uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. How about Married with Clickers that I, I forgot but was mad that I forgot last week? That's a good podcast. Check it out. Uh, Cult of Muscle. You got that. You uh, you got um, Talk Without Rhythm. Hey, how about that? <laughs> See your podcast. You know, there's, there's lots of fucking podcasts. Let me tell you something. I got Sirius Satellite Radio. I got it, you know, at first I got it for Howard Stern. Um, you know, he's putting out a new show. They only work like maybe three times a week and, you know, maybe a couple times a month. They do three times a week. They replay the same shit over and over and over. They have this plethora of old material and um, they, they'll they just rerun like the same old show or old bit over and over and over. And you'll hear the same... Like, if I get in the car at 7 o'clock, I'll hear it. Get back in the car at 10 o'clock, I'll hear the same... 
they they for as much money as you're paying for it they, to me it does for that show itself they don't put very much effort into it my friend brian was talking about their music on there i'm sure they have a lot of channels say you put it on a classic rock channel again I might hear Queen, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody on the way to work. Get in the car and drive home, and I hear Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. Hear the same sequence. Hear uh, Gordon Lightfoot's Edmund Fitzgerald or, uh, you know, Cat Stevens' Moonshadow or something like that. And you'll hear the same. It's like you have all of this music. You have, um, and, and of course, you know, I'm on the same channel. So maybe that's the, that's the reason instead of just going through the channels, which I do have different channels I listen to. But and I keep it for hockey because if I leave the house at ten and I'm right in the middle of a game, I can listen to hockey on the way hear the rest of the game. But instead of doing that, I think from now on, my God, there's just so many because that that started cutting into my podcast. And when I tell people, you know, hey, I, you know, I apologize, I haven't been listening to your podcast or you know any of these podcasts for a long time because I, you know, when I get in the cars and I would listen to a lot of them, I've been listening to Sirius, but you know, for as much money as I'm paying. Fuck, you know, these pod, a lot of the great, great, great podcasts, including the more professional ones like Gilbert Godfrey's, Godfrey's amazing Colossal podcast, which I love. And, and uh, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, bigger movie podcasts or um, even, um, you know, there's podcasts about everything. There's some history podcasts and there's some um, uh, conspiracy podcasts that I like to listen to that sort of talk about the conspiracies but debunk them and talk about where they came from. So I, I'm not going to listen to some bullshit propaganda conspiracy podcast. Uh, uh, I like listening to them talk about like Aleister Crowley or Jack Parsons or uh, the Illuminati or the Kennedy assassination and stuff like that but on a you know what the conspiracy is what really happened maybe some of the stuff that could be true or you know whatever. Um, but there's just so much of that, I'm wondering why I'm paying for this series. So that's my commercial. So listen to Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, Cult of Muscle, Married with Clickers, Talk Without Rhythm, Paleo Cinema. Uh, oh, my God. I know I'm leaving people out, but, you know, uh, support your local podcast. Uh, they're good, it's good stuff, you know. Um, A Kind of Murder with uh, Patrick Wilson again that's another one that uh, I was just kind of like hey you know after Bone Tomahawk I saw these two movies uh, The Hollow Point and um, A Kind of Murder both coming out on uh, DVD or uh, you know uh, in demand and I thought you know what I'm going to check this out and especially when I saw that it um, was uh, based on the novel by Patricia Highsmith now okay here's the deal with this movie if you know her work it's um you know involves some uh crime and murder and stuff like that and um you know it's complex it's not too too difficult to to follow the one the one thing about the uh, uh solace uh the one with um uh, anthony hopkins and um jeffrey d morgan and um what's his face colin farrell um, there were some, and, and with uh, the Hollow Point, uh, I was watching them, and and, and I, I kind of, like Hollow Point, I kind of got confused on some of the um, the uh, female uh, actors in it. I always want to say actress, and I know that some people are, you know, think that's politically incorrect, so I'll say female actor. Uh, and uh, there were several uh, in uh, the Hollow Point, and I kind of got where I was confused on who was who. You know, they had some love triangles, I think, and some stuff going on there. And the same with the the um, 
I think Solace, I, I kind of got a little bit confused uh, with with a couple people in that. Maybe I'm just losing my fucking mind. I don't know. But this movie is um, it's not bad. Another one that was uh, the um, in-demand one that's um, okay, not great. Um, I like Patrick Wilson in it. There there are some scenes in it where he he's a he's a, a writer, and um, he's married to Jessica Biel, and I'll talk about her in just a few minutes. And um, they seem like they have a pretty good life. They, they it um, takes place, I believe, like in the fifties, um, uh, maybe maybe early sixties, but definitely in the you know mid to mid fifties or something like that. Um, and Patrick Wilson, you know, they have they have like what they used to call uh, cocktail parties. I remember my mom and dad would have like these, you know, have their friends over and they get all dressed up and go out. But before they would go out, you know, uh, uh, to a dance or something like that, you know, they'd come over to the house and they'd, you know, have some cocktails and then, of course, get in the fucking car and go somewhere. <laughs> you know, you think about this stuff with like the plaid pants and they'd have like these like gowns on and stuff. And uh, Patrick Wilson, several times in this one, they're having these parties. He has he he likes to wear um, uh, turtlenecks, these tight turtlenecks. And uh, so that's like I don't know it's like his thing you know it's like he's like a the kind of guy that would have like a pipe and uh, these tight turtlenecks and the, and in his den or you know their living room kind of looks like something out of uh, I don't know I want to say the Brady Bunch like Mike Brady's architecture or something but uh, nice house and everything um, but the one thing about this movie I like Patrick Wilson there were a couple of roles in this that I thought were miscast okay uh you have this guy vincent karth karthizer who plays detective lawrence corby now he is the cop that's investigating these murders and he's kind of a bulldog cop and uh he suspects some shit's going down and he's the kind of guy that uh even though he's not letting you know that he thinks you're a suspect verbally he keeps showing up and just kind of pushing buttons and stuff uh, to different people. But I just did not see this guy. I did not like him in this role. I'd like seeing like maybe Harvey Keitel or uh, just off the top of my head, this first person I think of. But somebody along those lines. Uh, this guy, he's he's young. I just did not like him as far as in the role. I don't know what it is. He he just didn't work for me. Uh, Jessica Biel now. I know that a lot of you are familiar with ha- how I feel about Jessica Biel's body. Uh, I think she has a great body. Love that ass. <laughs> that bubble. Anyway, but I have never professed to think that she was a great actress. Uh, probably have never professed that I thought she was a good actress. She's not horrible, but she's not really that good. It just depends on what kind of roles she's in. Um, like in a superhero movie or something like that. And I've seen her in some comedies, like some rom-coms and stuff, where I didn't think she was that bad. Not not great, not good, not really that good, but uh, she's serviceable for like rom-coms and stuff like that. I've seen her try and take... Um, more meaty, um, what you would like, important roles or whatever. Try and step out of the sexy, uh, you know, the body, you know, uh, uh, roles. 
And each time, almost, it, it seems like uh, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, you know, I see what she's doing, but she's not really that great. Uh, the, the, the tall man and that one powder blue. Uh, I love powder blue for the reason when she's stripping because she just looks so hot. But, you know, they try and ugly her up, and she's supposed to be a stripper, you know, and I mean, I'm, you know, the whore with the heart, or the stripper that's not just a stripper, she's a mom, and, you know, it's like Patrick Swayze, the bouncer with a degree in philosophy, you know, goddamn, why can't we have a stripper that's a fucking stripper, that has big fucking, you know, fake tits, that dances, that, uh, you know, whatever, that actually takes her clothes off, she did take her she didn't take all her clothes off, though. That's a big thing. You know, these uh, big stars want to play strippers in movies and then don't take their fucking all their clothes off. That's that's kind of a thing with me, like with, uh, what's her name? Fire Crotch. Whatever her name was. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. And some other ones, you know. You got you know, come on. You're going to play a stripper? Don't take the role if you're not going to take your clothes off. Um, she's okay in this, but I don't know. She's just... She plays Patrick Wilson's wife. I love the I love the costumes. I love the outfits. I love the 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 cars. The, the you know the, the sets and everything. And this all look great, look authentic, and everything. The buses, truck stops. You know, Jesse Beale and the, the the women in this, their their clothing and everything. The 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 turtle tight turtleneck. But um, I just don't think she's that good in this. Now they did say that she was pregnant uh, in in this movie. Uh, you couldn't tell it. I mean, she. She looks. She still looks good. I mean, it's just she's just not that great of an actor, or not that good of an actress. Um, it's all right. I. I think in other hands, it. Uh, no, I, I shouldn't say that, because the way. Okay, the way the movie looks, the cinematography, and like I said, the sets and everything, and the costumes, all look fantastic. Um, the story, I haven't read it, so I can't judge. Uh, like I said, I think Patrick Wilson was good, so maybe maybe it is a director, or maybe this is a lesser novel. I don't know. Um, I just think it could have been better, but it's it's okay. It's a it's a little bit above average. It's okay. Uh, next thing I watched uh, was The Lobster from 2015. Um, this is written and directed by Yorgos Lethimos and Lethimos. Uh, Filipiao, <laughs> whatever, I don't know. Uh, stars Colin Farrell, Rachel Weiss, Jessica Brandon. Uh, Jessica Brandon, um, let's see. What to say about this movie? <laughs> I don't want to say, I don't want to give anything away because, Jesus Christ, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I can't give anything away. <laughs> this is one of those movies. I love Colin Farrell for doing this fucking movie. Rachel Weisz. I love everybody in this fucking movie because um, this movie is just one of those movies that's just so fucking quirky and so odd but that it's saying something I'm not exactly sure what. (laughs) But it entertains me because it kind of you don't know what world it's taking place in. Of course, you know. I mean, it's not like an out. It's not like a science fiction. I don't know. Maybe it could be a science fiction movie. I don't know how you interpret it. Um, of course, they're they're humans. I think. Uh, and, but 
it speaks a lot about relationships. I kind of thought it was it was kind of like almost like a a takeoff on like modern like dating websites or something, and all the craziness of uh, how you should act, what's acceptable, trying to find true love like as a your last resort. You know, uh, okay, I'm at my wits. Well, I'm at my wits end. I haven't found anybody. I'm I'm a schlub, or I'm a nerd, or I'm I have issues with the opposite sex, or for whatever reason. And you go to this place, and they it's almost like a an intensive therapy. So I know it's kind of like a takeoff on self help therapy, which sort of reminded me of the movie Semi Tough with. Uh, Burt Reynolds, Chris Christopherson, Jill Clayburg, Robert Preston about the football player. Let's maybe talk about that here in a few minutes. But um, there's there's sort of a connection. But then it, it just it just goes off in these different and the people are so quirky and and uh, but not quirky. I think that they're trying they're they're being instructed on how to act to find your perfect match, which kind of reminds me of like match.com or eHarmony when they, when they have you fill out that, um, that big, uh, psychological study or something to, to find your match, which is hilarious because the first time eHarmony came out, you know, when, you know, match.com or some of these ones that were free had all these people that have signed up. Well, you know, eHarmony was just starting and they were just starting their commercials and everything. So they didn't have that many people on the, in the, um, in the uh, their 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 file, and they go by you know where you live and everything. And I got on there and I filled out this thing, and it takes you I don't know how many minutes. Take like maybe like half hour, hour or whatever, not an hour, but like say it takes like twenty minutes an hour. Fill out this this questionnaire, and then at the end, it, you 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 click the thing, and it supposedly tallies up all the, your yes and no answers to all these questions, and uh, it comes back and it says we have nobody for you. <laughs> And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. So, you know, because at the time when I was filling it out, I was really depressed. And I was like, man, you know, what the fuck kind of shit is that? So I actually like, wrote him a letter. And I said, this is fun. Well, you know, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Because I would get on, like, at the time, I think, um, I don't know, Yahoo had personals. I don't even think they have them anymore. They were all free. And you had, like, OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, Match.com. Match.com at one time was free. They built up a big database of people and then once they you know then they start charging um but um you know eHarmony they did that and i was like you know thanks a lot i mean jesus christ i'm trying to meet somebody you know find a, and i i feel this whole goddamn thing out. you're telling me of all the information you have on me you ha- don't have one fucking person that matches up with me well then i didn't i i started you know after feeling sorry for myself and being pissed you know and i started thinking about it, i was like oh wait a minute you know and you get on there and it's like even in like our entire state i don't think they hardly had anybody but one of the ways i figured it out was i went on there like about two or three other times and i answered all the questions completely different every single fucking time and every single fucking time it would say we don't have anybody for you know so anyway i was like how can i get on these other ones and there's all these people that either want to just meet and screw or want me to be the love of their life or you know blah, blah 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 so anyway this movie entertains the fuck out of me um like i said uh these these people are are being instructed on how to act to meet their perfect mate 
and it's so odd and so funny how they are almost like robotic and how they still and then when they do actually meet somebody that they like maybe that's not the person that they're told that they're supposed to be with it's a good fucking movie it's not for everybody one of my friends asked me about it and I know the kind of movies he likes and I and he goes think about getting that movie uh, The Lobster with Colin Farrell for uh, you know The Weekend to watch he goes you know uh, have you seen it and I was like yep don't get it <laughs> So you won't like it? Don't get it. And he likes G.I. Joe and Transformers. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not not uh, trying to pigeonhole him, but I am. Because I know what he I, You know you know what people like. And I knew that if if he watched it, and especially if we watched it with some of our other friends, I would hear no end to it. And it would make me mad because they would say, that movie was fucking sucked. It was stupid. Jeez, you like that shit? So anyway, and, the, and one of the things I was talking about with... Um, uh, semi-tough, uh, the the football movie. Yeah, I, for some reason I'm thinking it, it came out, maybe the books or something came out about the same time, but definitely the movies um, came out the same time uh, as North Dallas 40 uh, by Peter Gent, uh, who played for Dallas Cowboys, passed away yeah, a few years ago. Um, but this movie, uh, Semi-Tough, was uh, Burt Reynolds and Chris Christopherson when they were at their uh, you know, uh, so their biggest. Jill Clayburgh was really hot. She was in all these fucking movies at one time. I mean, you know, my God, she got a ton of fucking work. Robert Preston, uh, Brian Dennehy was in it, played a great big fucking redneck football player. <laughs> I think the guy that played TC and um, Magnum PI was in it, off the top of my head. No disrespect to him. I can't remember what his name was. Um, but that movie, you know, it it, it was not about football. Um, it was in some ways, but uh, a great portion of the movie was about all these self-help things that were going around, like uh, you know, getting uh, retention enemas or pelting, which was a almost a, like a brutal, sadistic form of uh, deep tissue massage, uh, creeping and uh, uh, crawling, where they would tell these grown men, these businessmen, you know. Uh, you you uh, you learn to walk too fast, so that's what's holding you, that's what's holding you back in your business. So you have to learn, you know, you have to go uh, go back in your mind and learn to crawl again because you learn to walk too fast. So these grown men and their and the businessmen, multimillionaires, would be in their office crawling around on on the carpet, you know, or what they call creeping, which is when you get on your hands and knees and you know kind of crawl around like it. crawling was when you crawled around on your stomach, but creeping is when you you kind of need the walk around on your knuckles. And on your knees, such a stupid shit. And uh, pyramid power. It had a fucking um, uh, Carl Weathers in it. Apollo Creed was in it too, and he believed in pyramid power. And uh, Billy Ray, Billy, not Billy Ray, Billy Clyde Puckett. He was into uh, beat. There was a, like a I can't remember what beat was all about, but it was like a something about being a, like a sort of like a power of positive thinking thing. And uh, you know you had the craziness of North Dallas Forty with the uh, you know the parties and stuff like that, and these great big giant monster football players and macho uh, uber macho uh, men, um, but also totally fucking insecure. Uh, even you know that's what the macho, all the macho, like what Pete, Pete Jen said about uh, you know these a- athletes and stuff. He said they're they're big, these big monsters, these huge men that could you know rip you apart, or the great you know athletes and everything. But deep down, they're they're just they're scared to death. They're scared of failure. They're scared of, scared of being exposed uh, for who they really are. They're they're like these bodybuilders. They said you know a lot of these bodybuilders are are very insecure people. And, uh, you know, my God, some of them, you know, when they get off steroids and stuff and they go from,
from 280 pounds of solid muscle with 4% body fat and they go down to, you know, uh, uh, 200 pounds or 190 pounds and they're just an average, they can't hardly stand it. Some of them kill themselves and they go into depression. They're psychologically addicted to this shit and the adjuration and the people looking at them, looking up to them. And even though these people are looking at them like that, they're still this insecure, you know, maybe abused or insecure or sad people inside. You know, enough of that shit. But that's kind of how, you know, I was connecting it with um, the lobster. Uh, kind of a new age, new wave kind of a uh, th- look at the uh, self-help and stuff like that. Next thing I watched, I did not know what this was when I when I uh, rented it. Uh, the only reason I got it was uh, because uh, Yves uh, Montan was in it, and uh, he's not even in it. You know, I was I was watching several movies with him in it, and I was and I thought, you know, man, I want to get some more shit with him. You know, this fucking great coxman. You know, all the ladies wanted to to get with back in the day, and I really like him as an actor too. Made some good movies, uh, Z and. Um, Oh my God! There's a couple other ones um, off the top of my head that I own that uh, political movies that were really good by Costas Gravas. <laughs> Gravas. Um, I um, watched this movie called, um, and I'm going to butcher this, Le Jolie Mai. Uh, it's a documentary. Like I said, I th- I thought it was a, an actual movie. I thought it was a going to be a movie about uh, Paris and um, one of these like all-star cast where they go and talk to you know each person has a um, a segment almost uh, about uh, Parisian life but it's a documentary it's a good documentary and it's a it's a fucking time capsule and a half because um, they go around uh, you know Paris uh, and talk to these Parisians show the the architecture and the landscape and um you know talking to uh, you know vendors and store owners and uh uh women with their kids you know that their kids are out playing uh you know in the on the sidewalk and the talking to them in their door doorways and everything it's a very good documentary uh and like i said a time capsule from 1962 if you did another one about paris now uh, you know, just like America, the, a lot of the architecture would uh, be different. The people, of course, would all be different, but they're still Parisians. And you know, 1962 is not too far removed from World War II and all the shit that they went through. Of course, they were occupied and everything. You had the French Resistance, and uh, at this time, there was uh, a lot of stuff going on still politically uh, with Charles de Gaulle and um, uh, politics and uh, student protest and. Uh, Strikes and stuff like that. Um, you have a lot of people that, when they're on camera, say, "You know, I don't, don't want to talk about politics." You know, but it's it's very good. It's long, um, you know, uh, but it's worth a watch. It's I believe it's a Criterion. I'm not sure about that, 100. percent But that's uh, Le Jolie uh, Mai. It's uh, L E, and the next is J O L I, and then M A I. And my French, I got a D. Just enough to, to pass because <laughs> I didn't even try. <laughs> we had a uh, two teachers in um, in high school, and our French teacher was Miss Bonar, and I believe her last name was spelled B O N A R. I think it may have been B O N E R. And then we had a music teacher named Miss Boner, and she would correct everybody if you said Bonar, she would say it's Boner. 
And I mean, of course, you know, when you're in like junior high and stuff like that, I mean, my God, it took everything you had not to snicker and snort out your nose and to, uh, of course, make stupid, um, immature jokes about this woman's name. But she would make us sing, like, you know, I knew Jesus before he was a superstar, which at the time was like this, well, I don't know if it, it was probably before. Uh, well, I don't know. It was Glenn Campbell. It was a big hit for him. You know, I knew Jesus before he was a superstar. And, you know, this is back like when uh, Glenn Campbell and was like a crossover with like Rhinestone Cowboy and everything. They, they crossed over from country to pop. And um, also at like one time, like Bob Dylan really got into being a Christian and like you know, like Lord help you know, Lord help me, Jesus. And I think Johnny Cash really got into it. There was a whole bunch of people, man. Bob Dylan got into being this big, you know, Christian. I probably just said Bob Dylan, but it was a big thing. And they had like movies like Jesus Christ Superstar, which starred Zero Mustel's son as King Herod. <laughs> you know, hey Jesus, what you doing here? So I can't remember how the songs go. Or like that's some funny fucking shit. <laughs> yeah, Jesus of Nazareth. He had a big, re- real big resurgence um, in pop culture and um, by young people uh, of Christianity. And I think that that what what they were going for there was after like the Vietnam War and all this hate and uh, uh, violence and murder and genocide and just man's uh, destruction and hatred and stupidity against his fellow man and people were clinging to the actual teachings of Jesus, which is, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself, you know, love your enemy, turn the other cheek, um, you know, help the poor, the sick, and, you know, love and peace and forgiveness, you know, which people like today have perverted and morphed into their own selfish, disgusting hatred and intolerance, and that's my sermon for today. So you know, hey man, you know I'm down with Jesus as as a as a you know if, uh, if you if peace, love, forgiveness, helping your fellow man, you know, that's all good shit to me. But uh, you know, and then even back then, you know, you took you had guys like Charles Manson who took stuff like that, and and not just Charles Manson. I mean, he t- he took it and perverted it into this weird, you know, disgusting shit um, for his own insecurities and greed and all this crap but you you know the even back then you know that you had the um the evangelists the, yeah, i mean that goes back to the beginning of time and that's not just our religion so i'll move on from that oh i went past one this is a newer movie as on netflix instant watch uh it's called gridlocked from 2015 uh it was directed by alan ungar and uh, the writers of it were uh, Rob Robal and Alan Ungar. And uh, it's got a good cast. Now, this is one of those straight-to-DVD... Or, I'm sorry. You know, you said, well, straight-to-DVD, too, but DVDs are going out. But straight-to-like Netflix uh, movies. Um, almost like uh, when I got off on my Dolph Lundgren straight-to-DVD, straight-to-Netflix uh, movies, uh, Dominic Purcell is turning into one of those kind of uh, actors. Um, he makes a lot of these movies. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan's kind of kind of the same way, but Dominic Purcell definitely. Um, he got in with um, uh, Uwe Boll, uh, made some movies with him that were pretty good action movies that are straight to DVD, and and then this movie here. Um, 
gridlocked. This is has a has a hell of a cast. Okay, check this out, Daddy. You have Dominic Purcell. You have Stephen Lang, Trish Stratus. You know, when I was watching, I was like, because you know, I remembered Trish. Trish Stratus from like Flex Magazine when she was this blonde bombshell fitness model and then from WWE with the blonde hair and everything and well now she's um, uh, has the brown hair and uh, I for some reason I think she I'm, I'm, I know she's Canadian but I was thinking at one time someone had said that she was Hispanic but I may be thinking of somebody else uh, but anyway, she has the really dark hair, dark features now. And at first, I didn't know it was her. And I was like, fuck, man, that's Trish Stratus. Danny Glover, Vinnie Jones. Um, trying to think who else is in it. But there's 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 a lot of faces in this besides the, the name people like that. Um, basically, what this is is uh, Dominic Purcell is this um, tough-as-nails cop, of course. And um, he's kind of a hard, hard-edged, tough-as-nails guy. And at first, they they uh, have this guy who's like Justin Bieber, and he is portrayed by Cody Hackman. Plays this guy Brody Walker, who is definitely supposed to be Justin Bieber, and he's I think going to make a movie or something. And um, they have him do like a ride along, and they kind of uh, give him to uh, Dominic Purcell uh, so he can watch how Dominic Purcell acts in a ride-along to, to um, so he can see, you know, how he should act to play a cop or something. And Dominic Purcell, of course, does not want to do this. And it's, uh, you know, a mismatched pairing. And But it ends up being a siege movie, like uh, Assault on Precinct uh, 13. Because um, you have... Dominic Purcell takes him... He says, okay, kid, you want to see how things are done and, and everything. And he takes him to this place where they train the cops. And they do these live fire uh, exercise things that you might see like the Navy SEALs, Delta Force, or SWAT, or whatever do. Where they have these... Uh, and you saw it in um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Sabotage, where they're training. And they have these plywood uh, rooms, like a, almost like a, a maze set up that are set up like rooms with doors. And they go through as a team... And or individually, and they go through and they kick the door in, and then they'll have things that pop up, or in the corner they'll have like a thing of a of a of a uh, either a killer or a robber or whatever criminal, or a civilian, and you have to go through and you have to shoot the the bad guys and not shoot the good guys and everything like that. So it's this training place, and they have all these weapons there, stockpile of weapons, and he takes this kid there, and of course introduces him to his old team. And they're like, hey, man, you know, are you as good as you used to be and everything? And they have him go through the thing and show him. Kind of like they did Schwarzenegger in the, in the movie, uh, Sabotage. And, of course, this kid is a douche, and he's just fucking a pain in the ass. And Dominic Purcell's just rolling his eyes like, goddamn. But anyway, some shit goes down, like I said, a la Assault on Precinct 13, where this, this group of people show up, and they want something that's in this goddamn place. And, of course, they're aiming to get it, and uh, where there's a will, there's a way, and they're going to do everything they can to get it. They cut off all the communications to the outside world, and here's Dominic Purcell and his team with and Danny Glover's in there, and he's like the, the – um, not the, he's a cop and everything, but he's the guy that is real st- uh, stickler for security. 
And of course, you uh, you know, even when I was watching it, I actually posted on there, Danny Glover's getting too old for this shit, meaning him as an actor. And in one scene, he has to say his iconic line, I'm getting too old for this shit, which is which was awesome. I like this movie. I thought it was pretty good. For straight to DVD, you could do worse. It was, it was a good action movie. I liked it. Dig it. I like Dominic Purcell. I really like him in Legends of Tomorrow. He is fucking funny as shit. And he talks like this through the whole movie, or through the, through the whole show. What are you going to do, haircut? You know, it's just he's fucking funny as shit in that. And he's awesome. Uh, he's one of these guys. He's like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. For You know, they always say movies, a lot of movie stars like Clint Eastwood and these guys, uh, uh, they, uh, movie stars that if they have a big head, they get over. Because for some reason it, it, it comes through on the screen. They stand out more or something. And uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan has a big head. But like Dominic Purcell, you would think when you look at Dominic Purcell's face or his head and you look at um, um, Jeffrey D. Morgan's head, you'd think they'd be these big kind of buff guys at least be like in really you know good shape. Uh, when you watch um, The Watchman, the, the, the comedian, you know, Jeffrey D. Morgan kind of looks big, but he's not really that big. He's got a big head. And I think he and like Dominic Purcell kind of has a a big head and a big like kind of like a thick neck, but both of them don't really have big arms, and they're not they don't really have like a big chest or big shoulders. They're not that big. <laughs> they the when you watch them, if you look at their head, you think, oh my god, this guy looks like a badass. But then when they kind of like you know, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. But they just don't look that big. So anyway, uh, but I like them both. Uh, next thing I watched was another uh, that was a. Uh, Gridlocked was on Netflix. This was also on Netflix. It's a 2005 uh, Wesley Snipes movie called Seven Seconds. And uh, it's directed by Simon Fellows. And, of course, this is definitely a uh, straight-to-DVD, straight-to-Netflix uh, probably movie. I doubt if it got any kind of theatrical release. It may have somewhere in the world. Love Wesley Snipes. Um, could not wait for him to come back. He was one of the best parts in uh, that shitty Expendables movie. Although I did not like when he cut his shaggy fro like that shaggy fro should have kept it wesley look really cool um i love watching wesley snipes do karate um he does these karate moves and they're they're badass but also funny because he does this flamboyant shit like almost like um the old uh shaw brothers kind of stuff you know where where you go but you're like looking down at the ground while uh, uh, you don't even look at the guy and you've just destroyed him and shit (laughs) this was all right it's not great but um what it is is like wesley snipes um is a robber he's a professional robber almost like the movie heat where they go and rob these armored cars and stuff and he's the mastermind of the whole thing of course he's ex-special forces some bullshit delta force crap blah 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 that's seems like you know it's funny when when you look at uh mike malloy's um euro crime documentary they should do something about these straight to dvd stars in these stories because every single one of them is a ex-Special Forces, CIA, SWAT, Navy SEAL, Delta Force, French Foreign Legion, blah, blah, blah. And they're either a cop now who's burnt out and a hard ass or a criminal who's got all this and somebody's, you know, blah. And they all know karate. they all the weapons experts and all this shit. So anyway, him and his crew are going to uh, take down this uh, kind of like a heat kind of a thing where they're going to take down this armored car thing and all this stuff. And things go awry because this other gang shows up. And this, again, happens in the first 
few minutes of the movie just sets everything up. Um, you have a... It takes... I believe this all takes place in France. And the UN is involved. But it's like... A, one thing about this movie was um, you had American military there that I believe were working for the UN, but one of the costume things that was fucked up was uh, when uh, they're in this police station, there is a female cop played by Tamzine Althwaite. And she's very hot, very pretty. Um, But she is like a military... Uh, police officer working for the UN so she answers to the uh, American uh, military and she gets called into the to the to the police I don't know if this was in Great Britain I can't remember it's been a few weeks ago it's, it's definitely in Europe but I can't remember if it was uh, I don't think it was France maybe it was or Germany or some fucking where the hell it was I can't remember now um, let me see if it says here Dreidel, 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 I made it out of clay. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. I did, I'm not going to sing. Oh my god, I just fucked up my IMDb. God damn it. Anyway, wherever the fuck, it doesn't matter where it was made. I don't want to fuck up my IMDb. <laughs> trivia. Yeah, there is no trivia. So I guess it wasn't even good enough for that. Oh, Romania. Okay, country, UK, Romania, and Switzerland. Uh, so anyway, the, the dreidel song, uh, there's a Cartman version of that, and uh, I'm not going to sing it, uh, that, that second verse. Um, but anyway, um, one of the things, the, the costume thing that I said was fucked up, she's uh, in, in uh, say, the Romanian police uh, department, and they're uh, asking her questions, interrogating her or whatever for something that she did. Because she gets involved, uh, she's she's chasing Wesley Snipes, but for some, there's reasons where they're thinking okay is she an accomplice or whatever um and these american like uh marines i think come in and uh and the one thing about there's three of them and the one thing about all three of their uniforms that just stood out as being uh bad costume design is they look unkempt They, they they did not look uh you know um pressed and starched and fucking no wrinkles they were ill-fitting. They just did not look good. So that really stood out for me. I don't know why, but when I saw it, I was like, man, those guys do not look like fucking, you know, those don't look like, those look like um, uniforms that somebody got off the um, the costume thing. They don't really fit well, and they didn't, like, you know, a military uniform, man, you got to starch. My mom used to fucking, like, triple starch my dad's uniforms and shit. So anyway, this is pretty good. Uh, Wesley has a lot, lot of action, a lot of violence, a uh, lot of shooting, and a lot of Wesley Foo, which I love. And he's fucking cool. And he's got some, uh, he's doing some fucking in it too. Dig it. Which I dig. Uh, let's see, where am I at here? Am I getting close to the, to the end? No, I'm not even close to the end. How long have I been doing this, son of a bitch? <laughs> I'm going to start wrapping this motherfucker up. I got too much shit. Okay, let's see here. I got a ways to go. Okay, I, I did uh, watch um, the second season. Uh, up to I think I've watched eight episodes of Legends of Tomorrow, the second season. Now, one thing about this that uh, surprised me at first I wasn't happy about is um, that there were a few of the characters. There were, let's see, one, two, there was like three characters from the first season 
that kind of disappeared. Now I know they're doing time travel and stuff like that, so um, that's cool, you know. And uh, uh, some stuff happens to explain some of it. Um, still like Brandon Routh, uh, he's like one of my favorite ones on there. Uh, I mean, the, the guy played Superman, and I I liked him as Super. I liked that Superman movie. I liked him as Superman. I thought he was great. He looked like Christopher Reeves. He's he's he just an awesome guy. Uh, and I liked him in Scott Pilgrim. In this, he's great. He plays this model, handsome, but nerdy, geek scientist, and he is perfect. He's funny, even though, like, he's not... Spe- and and the, the one thing that's funny about this is him and, um... um oh, um, goddamn Dominic Purcell together. And Dominic Purcell call it haircut, you know. He calls him haircut all the time. Um... I like some of the stuff that they're doing this season as far as... And this goes back to like the, the Luke Cage series. Um, one bone I have to pick with comics, whether it's DC or Marvel, is when the evolution of the character in some, some way... One thing that I really hate is when they start overpowering the character. Like, to have them evolve... They, especially when the character's been around for a long time, they feel like they to make them evolve as a character, they make them more and more and more and more powerful. Or in Reed Richards' case, smarter and or Tony Stark or whoever, Doctor Doom, whoever, smarter. Uh, Batman, smarter, 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 smarter. Oh, if he has time to prepare, no one can beat him. You know, give me a fucking break. Um, unless they are mutants in their brain. Even the smartest people on the planet Earth now, there are limits. I mean, they go so far, and things do not evolve that quickly. Uh, even Einstein, I mean, it's not like, you know, oh, I got the theory of relativity, and now I've discovered the warp engine, and now I've got uh, time travel and string theory, and I've figured out everything, and nothing's beyond me. And if you fight Einstein in a brawl, the Incredible Hulk fights Einstein. If Einstein has enough time to prepare, he can beat anybody. He can beat God and Galactus and <coughs> Thor and Odin and whoever else, you know. Give me a fucking break. Same thing with strength and everything. But where I'm going with that is with, like, Luke Cage. Uh, in that series, the first uh, season of Luke Cage, you know, of course, you got a guy that has, um, like, diamond-hard skin. Nothing can hurt him. But the best thing, and the same with, with wrestling, the same with uh, cop movies or Rambo or whoever. If, a, if That's one thing bad about Steven Seagal movies, and I think I've said this before. Seagal just beats the fuck out of everybody. He beats the fuck out of everybody. He, you know, hardly anybody ever gets his goat. Even when Silva had him tied to the chair and was going to you know, inject him with that shit or whatever and torture him. It lasted two seconds. He didn't even, nothing even happened to him. He breaks loose and just beats the fuck out of everybody. A hero is only compelling, his strength is only compelling, as compelling as his weakness. That's one thing that makes him human and makes him, even the Hulk, um, or Superman with kryptonite. Um, Luke Cage in the first season of, of Luke Cage, I mean, Something happens where you know he's vulnerable, and and you know they they did one th- with one thing with Wolverine that I hated was, you know I'm the best there is at, at everything, and no one can beat him, and everybody's afraid of him, and if they're not, they're stupid because he'll just beat everybody. 
if you kill him, they could burn him down to fucking ash and his body will come back and all that fucking bullshit. I hate that. But the one thing they say is, well, yeah, but he's emotionally vulnerable. No, he does deep down inside, you know. Uh. Well, goddamn motherfucker. I mean, give me a break. And, you know, I'm sorry. I, uh, it gets old after a while when they, they just power somebody up to the point where, you know, oh, my God. It's like the people that are writing it are... That's who they want to be. They want to be the nerd geek kid. They got here. They don't want to be the nerd geek kid. That's what they are, and they want to be given powers where they could just beat everybody and nothing can stop them and everything. But it's the same thing with Legends of Tomorrow. You have some of these heroes, or all of them really, in here that um, you know shit. Either shit happens or stuff happens where they are vulnerable and they question. You know, hey, I've got these powers, but you know, like uh, Adam. Brandon Rouse character, am I just this suit? Is that what, and it's the superpowers or the or the um, the the technology or whatever isn't what makes them a hero. What makes them a hero is what's in their heart and, and you know and their and their courage and they're scared. There's times where they're like, "Fuck, you know, I'm scared. You know, what if what if scared of not only getting killed or getting beat, but scared of letting their team down or letting their you know, and that's important to show that because if the guy's just, you know, the unbeatable, unstoppable force, I mean, you know, it's just kind of like pfft, fart noise. That was the fart noise thing. Victor Garber's in this. I remember when uh, Victor Garber was like a, an actor in the, um, my God, like back in the, I think like in the 70s and 80s. For some reason, I'm thinking he was like on the stage and maybe in like musicals and stuff like that his name really rings a bell i I should have looked him up but i i didn't and because you know i was like i know that guy (laughs) you know um he would be the kind of guy that was like on the dinosaur show and stuff like that and they would say he was in some play or something i I believe um i really really like um carrie or uh, katie lots who plays um white canary or sarah lance jesus christ i just she's just awesome she's the kind of girl that uh, the kind of chick that um chick <laughs> that are you know every every geek guy likes that can kick ass that's badass and everything she's just really cute she, I, I watched some several uh, videos of her on youtube um she's was a professional dancer does a lot of like break dancing stuff and moves like that and um but also a martial artist and uh like taekwondo and and she can do all the martial arts stuff she does a lot of the stuff like uh when you watch her training like the scott adkins kind of stuff and you know parkour and shit like that awesome just you know, and cute as a bug in a rug. Dig it. Love that show. And I, I've got some episodes to go. Um, it's on uh, Comcast In Demand, but they only keep like the three newest episodes. And I had not watched it. So I went ahead on iTunes and just bought the whole season. And um, the one episode that I finished on, I think, was um, of the ones that I've downloaded so far, is uh, the one that involves Flashpoint. And, you know, you're going along with the story, and then all of a sudden, um, um, it's like the comics where you're right in the middle of a crossover and unless you've been watching flash and green arrow you're they kind of give you a, a synopsis of what's going on and what's going on and you're right here right now this is what's ha- has happened to lead up to this but i haven't been watching flash and and arrow because i'm way behind on that i'm in like season one and um so i was a little confused it wasn't too hard to, to know what's going on if you've been following the comics or having somebody tell you about what's going on so I need to get caught up on those too, but got a lot of other shit to watch, doing shows and stuff. Next thing I watched was uh, 2016's Hands of Stone, which was written and directed by Jonathan Jakobowitz. 
and uh, stars uh, Edgar Ramirez, who I love, uh, Usher, Raymond, or just Usher, and uh, Robert De Niro. You might have heard of him. This is a really fucking good movie. Now, I have gotten so burned out on boxing movies that even when these like MMA movies, like the one with Nick Nolte and uh, Tom Hardy came out, and some of like the the uh, Apollo uh, or the Creed, not Apollo Creed, but the Creed. I don't even want to really watch them. I mean, I watched um, the one with Nick Nolte and Tom Hardy, and um, but you know, a lot of people are like, "Man, it's so good, so good," and I'm like, "Man, it just reminded me of every fucking boxing movie I've ever seen." You know, you had the brother thing and everything, and I understand that, but I just I just kind of gotten burned out on them. You know, there has to be really something really special and interesting. To, to get me to watch and uh, I was a huge Roberto Duran fan he was my favorite boxer of all time um, and so I have been wanting to see this for a long time and um, let's see I need to look something up dig it um, oh, ha- bear with me people bear with me I just thought of something I wanted to speak on um, this movie has been in the works for a long time. Okay, uh, for for quite a while, uh, Gail Garcia Bernal was supposed to play Roberto Duran, and I guess it was they were in talks to make it for a long time, and I don't I don't know why it just fell through the cracks and everything, and and finally uh, they did make it, of course, because I watched it and reviewed it, and uh, Edgar Ramirez uh, ends up playing Roberto Duran, does a great fucking job, great job. Um, one thing that I did not, and and Roberto Duran's life, it's not just boxing. It's it's um the one thing that I really liked about this that was really interesting is he's from Panama, and they talk about they show like when he was growing up in Panama and how things were there and how the American soldiers acted and it was another thing where um almost like a colonization of Panama because we had the Panama Canal there and we said, this is our canal and we own it. And, you know, the people down there are living like almost like a third world, almost like uh, Cuba, I want to say Cuba, um, where the Americans are there and the rich 1% one, 1% in uh, Panama or Cuba or in the Middle East are making all the money. The people are living in poverty and uh, they hate the the occupiers and so you have that and and how that molded him into being who he was and to being a fighter a great fighter that really had a lot of fury and a lot of rage inside of him and and uh, then you have uh the the relationship between him and ray arcel who was who ends up being uh, roberto Duran's uh, <laughs> trainer um I th- when I first saw this, I thought, oh my god, I hope they're not going to just make this be uh, a story all about him and Sugar Ray Leonard and the No Moss thing, the No Moss fight. Uh, and they didn't. It's in there, and it's a big part of making Duran who Duran was. And I always loved, uh, they had this shirt that said, Duran is Duran, because this motherfucker was arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time. Uh, the fact that he just went, you know, all these different weight classes, and even when he was older, when he was a more mature, older man, and came back and beat some of these young guys because he just had all this skill. I mean, he was just, you know, and he had a lot to prove. But 
the relationship it, it focuses a lot on the relationship between him and Ray Arcel, who was you know an American uh, Italian American um, uh, trainer, and he has to break down these walls that Duran has built up about you know hating Americans, hating despising Americans and uh, the culture and just you know. Um, and the relationship that they um, that, that comes together, you know, between them, and then with his, and also between him and his wife. This it was really good. And uh, this uh, Anna de Armas uh, plays um, Felicidad Iglesias, and that ends up being his wife. Oh my God, she's beautiful. Oh, who? But Usher was just excellent as uh, Sugar Ray Leonard too. The the boxing and I, I liked how they handled everything about this movie. And like I said, I'm a I'm a, a big um, Roberto Duran fan. I don't think you have to be a boxing um, aficionado or fan to like this movie, and that's a good thing. Also, you see uh, Ellen Barkin shows up in this and um, some other people, John Turturro. Um, so anyway, I recommend this. Good movie. I'm surprised. I've heard some people say some, you know, I really haven't read the bad reviews, but I've heard some people say that it wasn't that great. I really enjoyed it. I really thought it was good. And I thought it was not just a boxing, uh, just another boxing movie. Uh, I cannot remember people. Yeah, I only have a few more and we're going on. Uh, let's see here. Daddy. O. we're going on. Uh, we're just getting to the two hour mark. So I'm going to finish up. Um, I think, and I cannot remember. I know I talked about this, but I did watch uh, Michael Cimino, written and directed uh, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Uh, I think I may have talked about it last week. So maybe I'll let that one slide, although I will just say that I really like this movie. I like everything about it. Uh, Jeff Bridges just is fucking awesome. And the, the the just the pairing of Jeff Bridges and Clint Eastwood in this is just awesome. It's just a great cast. Um, and it almost surprises, even though I know this, it almost surprises me every time that I, I remind myself that Mike, Michael Cimino writ, wrote and directed this. The guy was a, a talent. And I, and I still, to this day, I like Heaven's Gate. I know that um, a lot of the... It, it was, in more ways, a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff going over budget and a lot of the problems that he caused the studios... But, um, you know, I, I am a sucker for the Old West. I used to read a lot about uh, all the Old West. They used to have those Time Life books, and I would read everything I could about, um, you know, John Wesley Harden, Clay Allison, uh, Tom Horn, uh, Wild Bill Hickok, uh, Bill Thompson, and all these guys. Um, I'm just, you know, Sam Starr, Bell Starr, the Cole Younger, the... James uh, Younger, the Daltons, all this. So I used to read all about that shit. Loved reading about it. And so Heaven's Gate is based on a true story. And, and I, Chris Christopherson, I thought was excellent in it. It's got an excellent cast. It's got Jeff Bridges is in that. Uh, Mickey Rourke is also in it. Uh, Christopher Walken is great as Nate Champion, who was a real real character. Um, I like that movie. And The Deer Hunter, like that movie too. So uh, Michael Cimino, you're okay in my book. I wish you could uh, work some more. I don't know what he's doing now. Did he die? Did he pass away? I think he did, maybe. Uh, here recently. Anyway, um, 
Another thing I watched, and uh, like I said, I'm kind of getting aware, like, uh, I'm wondering if I talked about this, because I think this might have been the first thing I watched after I recorded the last episode, and this is The Woodsman, which is on Netflix, uh, 2014, uh, directed by Nicole Casal, or Casal, K-A-S-S-E-L-L, wrote, uh, wrote, (laughs) it was based on a play, which I did not know, by uh, Stephen Fechner. Uh, and uh, the screenplay by uh, Nicole Casal. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. Now that I know this was a play, I would like to see this as a play. I would like to see it with Kevin Bacon or with somebody else. Uh, you know, I haven't been to a play in a long time, and I, uh, my, um, uh, one of my ex-girlfriends from a long time ago, I mean, my gosh, this was uh, late 19, or probably like, well, we were together for like lived together for like three years, so it's probably ninety-seven, maybe to, um, or no, 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 not ninety-seven, um, maybe ninety-one to ninety-four uh, is when we were dating. She was in theater, and uh, so I went to see several, you know, gosh, quite a few plays, and I really enjoyed them. I mean, you know, you go see it's it's. Uh, uh, I wish there were more places locally. Now we have the, the local theater and stuff like that up at the college uh, the two different colleges around here where they put on stuff like that. and some of those are really good too you know uh, some of the, the the students that put on some really good stuff and they also have uh, people from the community in the plays hell I was in a play I played an Indian in a play and a frontiersman <laughs> I was an Indian and uh, I had to wear um uh, like the black wig with the braids and shit and the, like the headband to hold it on my head. And, um, of course, you know, I wear glasses and I, and I had to take my glasses off. So I was like a blind at the end, but I had to kidnap a girl and, um, run on stage and uh, grab this girl. And while the other Indians are killing the settlers and I threw her over my shoulder and had to run off the stage and it had rained and the stage was wet. And, um, um, it was slippery. And when you got to the end of the stage, there was three steps and I thought, I'm going to fall, and I don't want to hurt this girl. So instead of taking slowing down to take the steps, I leaped like the goddamn Incredible Hulk or the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I fucking leaped and landed on the ground. And it was, you know, yeah, it must have been in pretty good shape at the time. But I just remember when I hit the ground, like, she was just like, oof, you know, because all the air went out of her. But I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, but I, I, I would have fell, and we probably would have both got hurt. But I was an Indian, yeah. And I kept thinking about, like, Charles Bronson or Jack Palance playing Indian. So I was like, hey, man, you know, and I looked pretty good back then, too. I probably looked better than all the other Indians. <laughs> the Woodsman. I never played a pedophile in a, in a uh, play. Um, I think this is a very, very good movie. And uh, like I said, I never saw actually saw the play. I might see if they if uh, maybe like on YouTube or uh, somewhere they they uh, I know at one time on YouTube you could find plays on there like um, the Iceman Cometh and um, 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 Death of a Salesman. You could find some of these plays because they used to they would uh, do plays on TV. Uh, I don't know if, not not masterpiece theater because that was of course all. Um, I think, you know, just um, like a, a TV show, you know, it was a, uh, production or, but um, they, they, uh, I haven't in a while, but there were several, uh, and I, I don't know if it was Hulu or if it was on YouTube, but you could find actual plays on there that were done for TV. And, and so that, you know, I've seen some plays that were recorded and put on there, but you know, it's somebody in the audience and it's 
hard to see and everything, but these were done with uh, cameras like on the stage and everything. And, and most of them are in black and white because it was done a long time ago. Some of them had some, some, you know, pretty good um, uh, character actors or some of them had some big, act, big time actors uh, in the lead roles and just on a set, you know, just like a stage, you know, where they would come and they would maybe change set pieces to show, you know, we were going from scene to scene if they had to. Um, and I would like to see this in that format. Cause like I said, until just right now, I did not know this was a play, but I can see how it, it, it would be. Um, and there are several movies like, um, 12 angry men. And, um, I'm trying to think of some other ones that are very dialogue driven that you can see, um, uh, officer and gentleman. That's one of the plays that my uh, girlfriend was in. She played the Demi Moore role. Ha <laughs> ha. Anyway, um, this is a challenging uh, play, a challenging movie, because of the subject matter. Um, Kevin Bacon's character has just gotten out of prison um, for child molestation. Um, he's a changed man in a lot of ways. But it's not uh, it's not so milk toast or um, uh, ha- handled with a velvet glove that it shows that he has changed. I mean, he still has these urges. He still is conflicted inside, much the same way that a, a heterosexual man is attracted to a. A uh, female that they're attracted to, or a, a homosexual man attracted to a male they're attracted to, or woman attracted to a man. Um, this is not a choice. Uh, I'm not saying I feel sorry for someone who is a pedophile. There was a documentary on Netflix at one time, um, and I cannot remember what it was called, but it was a study about people that are pedophiles. And one of the statistics in it was that there are a large percentage, and I, I, I hate to say what the percentage is, if it's 60% or 40% or 30% or whatever, because I don't want to be wrong, but there was a, a, a surprising percentage of these people that don't act out. They know it's wrong, and they don't act on it. Their compulsion is, it would be like a rapist, um, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but um, say a man is heterosexual and he has a men- he has mental problems, and for whatever reason he has problems with impulse and compulsion, and he goes out and rapes women, and he gets that urge. Uh, he may uh, not do it every day of the week. It may be like a, almost like a Jekyll and Hyde thing where he's a normal person walking down the street. It's uh, like a serial killer where they say, you know, he was a, a quiet man. He lived next door. He was a nice guy. I talked to him all the time. Or he was a, you know, a, a guy lived next door. He never gave us any trouble. But almost like a Jekyll and Hyde or um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to think of like a uh, an addiction where that that compulsion builds up and builds up and builds up. And they don't have something, whether it's a, a sociopathy or or if it's some kind of other mental illness where they don't have the capacity to control the compulsion to follow their desires. And whether their desire might be to go out and kill somebody, 
to, you know, this motherfucker fucked with me and I'm going to go kill him. Or um, my mother molested me or did something to me or a guy, uh, my dad or a relative. And now I'm going to go out and take it out on these other people. Or if it's just a power thing, you know, uh, you know, like they always say, rape is not a sex thing. It's a, it's a control thing. It's a power thing where they just, for whatever reason, whatever their mental illness is, they can't control that compulsion. And in that documentary, they talked about these pedophiles and they, and they interviewed a lot of them that were behind the, um, that, that were shot in silhouette because of course, you know, they're admitting what they are, but, uh, there were a lot of them that said, you know, I don't act out on this. And I think, uh, also some of that stuff might've come from like a, the Kinsey, uh, tests and everything where they would anonymously interview these people and, um, everybody, you know, for all sexual, you know, uh, what they like, what they dislike, what their sexual makeup is and everything. And, uh, that there's a lot, there's some of them that, that, um, say like, you know, I talk about Jessica Biel. I like Jessica Biel. I'm attracted to her body and, and, uh, you know, uh, or whoever, you know, a, a very sexy woman to me, like a turkey that goes out and puts its big feathers out and struts around and the, you know, female turkey saying, God damn, that fucking turkey, you know? Um, but if you are mentally fit uh, to live in society uh, with society's laws and what we deem to be good or bad or evil or bad, good and evil, whatever, uh, you can say, okay, I may be attracted to Olivia Wilde, but I'm not going to go and stalk her and rape her or... Um, you know, take what I want without consent or take what I want or manipulate someone who doesn't have the ability to consent, that doesn't have the emotional or maturity to even know what's going on to be able to consent. And now Kevin Bacon's character, for whatever reason, and it's not to, um, justify or to excuse what someone like he, like him does it's just saying there is a cause and effect to everything I think um, and um, there's a reason why he is a broken person that way but also you possibly can't deny like you can't deny a heterosexual, a homosexual, a bisexual, a transsexual or whatever that these people may not have a choice and I'm not talking about acting out. I'm talking about how they are inside. They may not have a choice for whatever reason that they are attracted to what they're to who or what they're attracted to. Now, I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a scientist or whatever. That may be going a bit far because I've also heard that you know some people are stunted in the age of the person they're attracted to. Some people are pedophile. They're attracted to prepubescent children. Some people are attracted to children that are post-pubescent but still 
underage, still in the um, grow, physically, mentally, and emotionally evolving and growing process that they are still are not able to consent. And then you go, of course, through different cultures where, of course, like, you know, coal miner's daughter, Loretta Lynn, or some of our great-grandparents or whatever may have gotten married and been having sex and got married when they were 12 because, and some, uh, whether it's tribes or civilizations or whatever, um, as soon as a female comes into the ability to have children, that's when they say you're okay to be married. And some cultures that you get married uh, when you're a kid, they just pick your wife and they say you're married and blah, 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 blah. Um, but his character, Kevin Bacon is excellent in this because he, as an actor, he shows you and you feel that angst within him, that inner turmoil. Um, the turmoil that of, of, of what he wants, what he's attracted to, being told it's wrong, in some ways knowing that it's wrong because he's been punished for it he's been told by society he, even a part of himself inside knows that it's wrong but then there's a part of him inside that says this is who I am this is my nature this is how I was born maybe, maybe not maybe, but, but uh, this is how I am and there's this inner struggle and it's really there and it's really you know and then you have the people around him dealing with it. The co-workers that don't know who he is. And I like how they handle that. It's very realistic. Um, how some of the people handle that know, but say, okay, you know, I'm going to give you a chance. Uh, the people that work with him that don't know, and then maybe down the road find out his family... Uh, uh, a woman that he meets that is attracted to him and still even and that's another thing that was in that documentary and even in the Louis Theroux documentary they have a a prison um, that not only a prison that houses but treats sex offenders, rapists child molesters, stuff like that and uh, there are several of them that will say you know yeah I had a wife, I could I had sex with women. I was attracted to women, but I had this compulsion. Uh, David Soul, uh, they had a made-for-TV movie that I think I talked about on the show, but it was so long ago, and um, I cannot remember what it was called, but uh, it was about him, and he went to prison um, for rape. And uh, it was very good. It was just like this movie. It was very good. It's a tough subject. Very tough subject. Um and I know that there are probably people that say, oh, you know, I'm going to watch, who the fuck wants to watch a goddamn movie about some child molester? Um, where, but he's not portrayed as a monster. Um, there was a movie with Mario Adorf, uh, a German movie, uh, Terror by Night or something like that. I cannot remember what it was called. And I actually have it. I haven't seen it in a long time. And it's based on a true story, and it's a, it's a um, serial killer uh, rapist and serial killer portrayed by Mario, Mario Adorf and I believe it was either I think it was actually took place during World War II you know and the Nazis are you know the military and you still have the the Nazi police whether it's the Gestapo or whoever and this guy is a um, a rapist and a uh, serial killer 
and it's but 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 uh and by all rights this guy in real life was a monster and he's portrayed as a monster but this takes this movie and the david soul movie um take a different look at it um and of course you know i'm sure if you were the character that kevin bacon plays you know if you were on the end of uh him molesting before you know uh, before the reason he gets sent to prison uh, before the play or movie even starts is because he has molested children. And his one thing he says is, you know, I, I never hurt them. I, I don't want you to think... I, I, he wasn't like a... But he did, you know. But in his mind, he was compassionate and loving, but he probably fucked him up for life, you know. Um, he, he, he doesn't equate, like Mary Adorf uh, raping this person violently with either an object or through violent sex sodomy whatever and then killing strangling him or even letting him live like david soul's character did not kill the women he was a rapist he could not control that compulsion he had that inner struggle that inner demon and mario adorf was uh, to the very far edges of that he destroyed these women's lives by he uh, murdered them but he also raped and killed them so to look at him you're like you know how can you see this guy's a monster this guy's straight out of a fucking horror movie um whereas kevin bacon or david soul's character is still did monstrous acts but they show more of a human side and when I watch both of those movies I see something that I see in people that I have known that have addiction to either drugs, alcohol sexual compulsion gambling, whatever they can go and, I've said, and I'm repeating myself but they can go through that that, um, that period where they're in total control um, and they're living a normal life but they have that inside them and when that starts to build and it starts to it's like they can't they have to they, they it's almost like they're an out of I don't want to say out of body thing but I know in, and, and I've heard that in certain circumstances where people will say you know almost like a not out of body experience, but like the that someone else was doing it, or I I, I I don't even really remember. And that's not just with the rape or uh, murder or uh, serial killer or something like that. But you hear that sometimes where it's like a disassociative event. Who knows? But this is a very good movie, a very thought provoking movie. Um, the like I said, the one with. David Soul, I think it's called Rage, because there was a George C. Scott movie that was actual uh, studio movie with George C. Scott called Rage. This is a movie called Rage with David Soul, uh, and uh, Craig T. Nelson is also in it too. And uh, that instance, uh, and I believe that that was a play also. I'm going from memory. Uh, th- these guys are put in a um, a place where they. Um, are being treated. It's still a. It's still. 
they're still in prison but to treat them they're allowed to wear they're allowed to wear their civilian clothes it's not a, a maximum security thing and they agree that if they go through this treatment uh, you know they'll get certain I don't know if I want to say privileges or time off their sentence or something like that but they're it's an intensive study psychological study they actually do you know check their brain waves you know and s- stimulation and stuff like that and um, but also extensive group therapy where the, uh, and uh, one-on-one therapy with different therapists and group therapy where they're in there with these other guys that have done this stuff and some of them when he first comes in he is still has that rage inside of him he got caught he's still in denial i wasn't me uh i was just um i was just walking by and this woman asked me for help and uh then you know we started going at it and she was afraid that her husband and she screamed rape and i didn't do it well what about the other times what about the five other times that you were caught or the other times you got away and he gets broken down because he starts to look inside himself and realize you know all this bullshit it's like a drug addict with their lies or an alcoholic or a gambling addict where they just lie and lie and lie and they even lie so much that they lie to themselves it's a that's a very good um a very good movie to watch and like I said I think that was based on a play too and it also you know it pulls no punches neither one of these movies um, um, you're not going to you know where like the drug addict and in the end of the movie he's clean and sober and everything you know oh I got a family and I realize uh, this is a tough subject and there are no you know like I said with a recidivism uh or pedophiles and stuff like that it's like you know even the ones that people they say that uh they get castrated whether it's chemical castration or they castrate themselves or something like that they still may go out and act on it uh and not just pedophile but like uh, specifically i think i've heard that more with a rapist because they have that anger and they'll rape someone uh someone man or woman i was just gonna say a woman but man or woman because you hear about that in in the military um you know, it's uh, the very good documentary that was out, uh, and I cannot remember the name of that, but I had talked about before just a few years ago about uh, the cover-ups and the, the amount of sexual assault and rape in the military. And it wasn't just women, men raping men, of uh, a, a control thing, a sadistic thing, uh, uh, getting guys in the military because you say, okay, um, you were arrested for this, and um, um, if you you can either go to prison or you can join the join the army that goes all the way back to you know vietnam or you know all these fucking shit wars that we're in now where they don't have a draft and they and they um you know they need they need people and even i think back back in world war 2 and stuff you had guys where they would say okay we'll give you a chance you can either you rob this store you can either go to prison or you can go to fight the hun or the germans or the you know, Japanese or whoever, whoever the fuck we're fighting uh, on any given day. But anyway, I think I have like maybe one more that I'll cover because uh, I'm going real long. I'm two and a half hours now, people. And I'm by myself. I'm getting off on these tangents and stuff. I won't go over this one t- uh, too long because I've talked about it before and everybody's seen it, but it was The Watchman from 2009, Zack Snyder. Um, I love this movie. Um, I love the soundtrack. Um, I really enjoy it. Watched it again with my friend Greg. Um, just really like the melding of the music and 
what the movie says. And when I was watching it the other day, and the comedian um, is talking to Night Owl, and they're breaking up a riot, and they're basically like a fascist, you know, America under the third term or whatever, of second or third or fourth term or whatever it was of Dick Nixon has become almost like a fascist police state. And uh, Night Owl says, you know, what happened to us? What happened to the American dream? Because here's, you know, the comedian's just knocking the shit out. It's almost like a Kent State kind of a thing or a Chicago uh, Democratic Convention riots or, um, you know, the riots they had out in Seattle, uh, the, you know, World Trade Organization or out just recently. My God, what am I talking about? The fucking... Uh, Pipeline where they fucking blew that woman's arm off and are spraying these fucking protesters out there with uh, uh, fire hoses and, you know, freezing weather and pepper spraying, using chemical pepper spray and these agents are chemical weapons. We aren't allowed to use chemical weapons in war. You can't use tear gas and pepper spray in war. Of course, you're not supposed to torture people either, and we do that. The Watchman speaks a lot to what where we're headed and what road we're headed down have been headed down a long time and if you go back we've been on this road for a long time because fuck look at Vietnam my god how long ago was that and all the shit that was going on there um and watching Legends of Tomorrow Superman and these movies like that and uh seeing what they were saying when they made this when they wrote this graphic novel and (coughs) and made this movie but the one thing I do want to talk, wanted to say about this is I just love the music and how it's used in this movie. And you even have uh, Waylon Jennings' song, which everybody, when I say that, they're like, what are you talking about? I think it may have been when Comedian is in the bar in um, uh, Saigon. I mean, they won the Vietnam War, so it may have been in Hanoi, but I'm pretty sure it was Saigon because there were some prostitutes and stuff. But, uh, you know, once America got in, took over all of Vietnam, it was probably down there, too. But um, what I was going to say was when the the uh, Vietnamese woman comes in and says, you know, I have, I'm having your baby and everything and all that, she goes, I think on the jukebox, this song Clyde by Waylon Jennings is playing. I know it's in the movie, but I'm pretty sure that's where it's at. And I love um, Simon and Garfunkel at uh, the comedian's funeral. And I had to point out to my friend Greg uh, all the times that um, – uh, Rorschach is in the movie, um, but you but unless you know it, you don't know he's in the movie because he's wearing the mask the whole time and all the times he's in the movie just walking around with a protest sign and stuff like that. Um, like I said, I just really like this movie, so I won't go any further because I'm going to wrap this up. Last thing was Choice of Arms or Le Choix de Arms. <laughs> this also starred uh, Yves Montan. Uh, and uh, Gerard Depardieu and the very beautiful Catherine Deneuve. Um, I understand someone said that, um, I think the Gentleman's Guide reviewed this movie. (sighs) I would like to say that I thought it was great. (laughs) Number one complaint, it was too goddamn long. Um, Gerard Depardieu is very good in this. He's uh, uh, very he's uh, young. Uh, plays a, a an ex boxer who is uh, has turned to crime. Um, 
the guy had really morphed, and I know, I mean, he's he's a senior citizen now, and I'm not just talking about the amount of weight because he got he's gotten really you know robust. I will say robust. He's got a big gut now, and he's old. I saw a movie where he was playing a, um, I think a uh, mafia guy in it uh, that was just made a few years ago. And, oh my God, it's like Stephen Stills when he plays his acoustic guitar and the guitar is way out, or David Crosby and the guitar is way out on their gut, you know. Uh, but in this, he's very young. He does a very good. He's he's a fucking total loose cannon, um, uh, s- small time petty thief. He has a grudge against uh, Yves Monton, and uh, he is a, a successful ex criminal. And he has a beautiful wife, uh, Catherine Deneuve, who is uh, I've said a million times. She's just so beautiful, and her hair is just so blonde and thick. I just want to just run my fucking... Th- oh, my God. I'd love to just brush her hair. I may have a hair fetish. Um, I just love her just thick hair. Oh. And anyway, um, Gerard Depardieu is... Um, like I said, he's kind of a loose cannon, and um, he has a past with uh, Yves Monton's um, character, and he wants to get revenge, but he also just is like, you know, he's he's not a big-time thinker, so he's like, hey, this motherfucker owes me, and uh, I'm going to get some money off him, and, and he, he shows up, and um, he's like a brute. He's just like an animal. And uh, he shows up, and uh, they're having a, a big dinner party at their big palatial place. They raise horses, have these beautiful stallions, and uh, he's done really well for himself. He is in the one percent. Of course, you know his money comes from crime, but I'm. They, it's kind of like um, Michael Corleone, where they take all the the money, the ill-gotten gains, and turn it into a real businesses, whether it was the olive oil business with the Corleone, Corleone family or whoever, but they, they have uh, gotten a measure of respectability. And here this guy shows up and he's just, uh, like I said, like I, I only describe as like a brute, uh, kind of a low class uh, criminal who almost like uh, if you had um, uh, the mafia with Lucky Luciano and uh, Meyer Lansky and um, guys like that, even Al Capone, they're walking around in their suits and everything. He, and then you had like Bonnie and Clyde, who were just these crazy killers who were going around robbing grocery stores and banks. But that's kind of how he is. And he shows up and he's like, you know, a motherfucker. And he you know, shoots his gun off at these um, glass cabinets they have, kind of terrorizing them and everything. And, um, he gets all like their wallets and gets some money and he takes off. Well, the one thing I like about this movie is it's just not straightforward um, revenge and I'm going to get you you before you get me or whatever. Because it's it kind of goes that way because um, people are telling um, the character of uh, what is his name? Noel Duro. Uh, they're telling him, they're saying, you know, this motherfucking Mickey, who's this crazy fucking kid, you, you know, you need to get, he's been sent here by these other people and you need to get revenge. So it's, um, again, the Michael Corleone thing of, uh, you know, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So he starts falling right back into his old lifestyle, which is, man, from the looks of things, he was a guy who took no shit. <laughs> and, uh, he goes to, um, some of the old, um, mafiosa guys and uh, he says you know hey you motherfuckers I'm telling you I don't want to be involved in this shit but you won't let me so I'm you know you're going to pay the price and he's meanwhile this kid 
he knows what happened and he knows why this kid is so fucked up not specifically fucked up um, but he feels responsible in a way and that's something that's different about this movie and it's, it's something that I really like I like the uh, the performances and I like the twist that it takes uh, not going just down the revenge violence thing that stuff's in there but it has a twist and it has a, uh, a more human and a more realistic I think maybe a re- more realistic kind of a look at things and it's almost kind of like a Greek tragedy sort of but um, it's a recommend I got that one on uh, iTunes too um, I'm going to be wrapping this up as I said before because we just did 2 hours and 30 minutes it is now my god it's close to 8 o'clock in the fucking morning I think I started uh, anyway I was going to go over a couple of comics that I read I just finished uh, Helsing Volume 3 Attack on Titan uh, Volume 1 uh, we've been reading some uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes Avengers uh, lots of stuff with Kang in that the time traveler causing all kind of trouble Thunderbolts uh, yeah, Winter Soldiers fucking all fucking captured and shit and Cap's doing all kind of stuff that you think he's Cap, but well, he is Cap, but nobody knows what the fuck's going on inside Cap. Uh, Uncanny and Humans, pretty good. They're kind of trying to replace the X Men with them because Marvel doesn't have the full rights to make all the money off those comics, so they're kind of going in Humans' way. Guardians of the Galaxy had Spider Man in it, a little guest star thing. That was a one shot deal. I kind of really like in this uh, Extraordinary X-Men. Uh, you have Colossus' sister in that, who is from Limbo. I like that shit. Uh, okay. Uh, this goes to movies. Um, Marvel has some just awesome Star Wars comics right now. I encourage anybody that uh, likes Star Wars, even if you don't read comics, and they're creating some really cool-ass fucking new characters. Um you had a Darth Vader comic, which uh, went for a short run, and I think it was meant to. It was only meant to go a certain amount of issues, and then uh, stop. One of the characters that was in this uh, was Doctor uh, Afra, who was this uh, young uh, lady who is something else. <laughs> She's like an archaeologist, but she is no good guy. Uh, you also have a um, with her. Um, she has her own Wookie. And he is not a good guy. <laughs> and a and two droids, a la C-3PO and R2-D2, not good guys. But th- that's a very that was uh, issue one. But she was awesome in the Darth Vader comic, a uh, big part of that. And I love that character. And when I I just got this, uh, I think yesterday. And when I got it, I was like, holy shit! They gave her her own fucking comic. This is awesome. Daredevil is good but it's uh kind of got some serial killer like the movie seven kind of shit going on and uh it's good but i'm uh, some of the stuff in it's pretty fucking serial killery violent weird shit uh poe dameron has a star wars comic i'm on issue nine that's really good han solo has a good one they also just have a star wars comic that uh has uh han leia and luke in it which is there they have a story going on right now that's just awesome the the poe dameron story is really good uh just uh, had a one-shot guardians of the galaxy um with Ben Grimm, he's back on Earth. He's staying, and he is working for Shield now. Uh, and his story and character 
it's going to be kind of a crossover because he was in this one and the next issue is uh, the next thing with his story is going to be an Iron Man and then the last thing was or not the last thing uh, Power Man and Iron Fist number 11 um, following that big time um, the art in that is um, it's different I like it but uh, I really like the black exploitation feel of that uh, and the one thing, this is a loaf uh, thing because he's really into Valiant and he got me reading some of it, is um, uh, Armor Hunters Harbinger. Uh, and this was, I think, the uh, the first one of the uh, Armor Hunters. And this was really good. Um, uh, the Deadshot uh, Armor... Oh, see, what was that? It had Deadshot. It was the, it was the one where they were in Vegas and... Uh, yeah. Anyway, Deadshot comes back and he's fighting with all the. They're trying to get rid of, get away from um, Harada. The, the 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 young team uh, of Renegades is fighting Harada, uh, and then he has. They have the other young team that is kind of brainwashed, and Bloodshot shows up, and they're in Vegas, and they have this final showdown. Well, this is the the next one after that and it was very good i liked it so anyway i'm gonna shut off here uh two hours and 38 minutes of solo podcasting coming from dr zom and silva and gold and um i want to give a thanks to uh my partner uh (laughs) meatloaf (laughs) that was from last episode uh uh alex is still out there um He's doing his thing. He's got some stuff going on, uh, definitely with, uh, you know, work and all the shit, putting in just a lot of time with studying and with his job. Uh, Still, he is on the production end. He's still doing all the uh, putting this out, getting it to you on the Internet, uh, and um, producing and refining all my shit. Uh, So a big uh, thumbs up and thanks to him for, you know, being there for everybody because if he wasn't i would be podcasting to nobody right now (laughs) and uh we will i'm sure you know here who knows uh we be uh doing something together and getting back together and getting some stuff out to you i i said a a while ago it's it's partially my fault that um we hadn't been putting stuff out because with his new job, I knew that we were going to have a real hard time, if not, not be doing anything. And I even told him that I would do like what I'm doing right now and just uh, do podcasts when I want to and keep them on file. And we could just put them, on, put them out as we wanted to. And I just kind of got lazy about that, doing a bunch of other stuff too in the summer, uh, riding motorcycles, sleeping a lot, being depressed and everything else. And then hockey and everything. Like I said, I, I thank uh, Mike Peacock, good friend, uh, good friend of the show, uh, for inspiring me and also Terry Frost over at Paleo Cinema and um, for kind of inspiring me into starting a podcast again. So we'll get this out to you. Uh, maybe this will be the Christmas special. I didn't really uh, put in any uh, Christmas ho-ho-hos or we got one fart noise and one cricket sound in there. Uh, I want to thank uh, Jay, who sent us an email uh, saying that he missed the show, and just about everybody else on the group that has asked, uh, I mean, over and over and over, uh, when you're going to put something else out, uh, asking me to guest host on different shows, which I have not done, and I feel bad, but, you know, like I said, I, it, it is difficult sometimes to get together uh, with other people, and I would like to, uh, but I'm out there, I'm listening, I'm supporting everybody else uh, 
you know that's in our community and i hope to see some of you in the flesh again horror hound's going to be coming up uh in march not sure if i'm going to be there i may i may not i'm waiting uh i definitely if i if i do it will be not a last minute thing but i'm not going to be like staying at one of the real super close you know right there where the event is because they're all sold out now anyway but um you know who knows might get in the car and head out to to horror hound again but uh we'll be you know seeing some of you again soon wish you all the best merry christmas happy holidays happy hanukkah all that shit hail saint this is uh dr zom saying uh zom what <laughs>